and welcome to Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. My name is Ben Townsend from bentownsendmusic.net and I'm joined, as always, by... Sam Townsend from samtownsendmusic.ni. Dot N-I, it's Nigeria. Boom, I'm in like a Nigerian prince. I'm living life large and we're done. It's but not you're, Nigeria. You're shaking your head. I am. Niger? No. Nigel? Nigel Kelly. Nigel Kelly, of course, our wonderful, wonderful ambassador. Um, but I don't know who NI is, I'm afraid. Mm. Avail well, it to me, avail it to me, my brother. It's my new website, it's Nicaragua. Nicaragua, of course. Why didn't mm. I think of that? Because I'm I do surprised. know, I do know of Nicaragua. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it's it. It's hard to say. Well, it's, it's, um, Half past six on a Saturday, so I'm assuming you've had a couple of beers. I've had a couple of beers, yeah. It was yeah. We had to have that um, WhatsApp call for Mum's birthday. Then me and Vanessa played some nine ball pool on our little dining room table it, pool. It is pool table. our dear mother's birthday today. Bless is, her. Uh, yeah, God bless her. So, I mean, 68 years young. So today we are talking about part three of the seminal, wonderful, oh, Christ. groundbreaking album, by mm. the way which we have uh, been fulsome in our praise of so far, and we enter mm. the last six songs. Um, and I think it's fair to say we're entering an interesting period of the album. What's your take on the last, the last six songs? Well, if I, could, if I may, can I flip that 360 degrees on you and say, what's your take? 180. If 360. You did a, if you did a 360, then, it'd, be, it'd be facing back to you. 360 and then 180. Fine, so a total of uh, a certain amount of degrees. A total of 540. Yes, if you want to flip that 540 degrees, yeah, of course you can. Well, we're going to be looking at Cabron, Tear, On Mercury, Minor (laughs) Thing, Warm Tape and Venice Queen. Yes. It's, by the way, is, is an interesting album in its... It was a development, much more melodic development than we'd even had on Californication, which was a much more development from the the the, the, the era that Frusciante had been in the band before. Mm. Uh, but I think even going further for these songs, it enters a realm untouched by the Red Hot Chili Peppers on oh, any of their previous albums. Yes, and I think there are a couple of songs here, if not more, that really epitomise that. Are you talking specifically about tear and warm tape? Well, uh, yes, but I also think the first song, Cabron, is is something a little bit different from the Chili's. So I, I have to say that I would include and on Mercury is something a little bit different. Well, should we stick Venice Queen in there as well? And then Venice Queen, got... all of them. In fact, all of them. Minor thing, this... I think, is the outlier here, which is more of a rock song with more of a chili, more of the chili's touch. Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I would, I'd agree with you there. But I think five out six, though. There is some very interesting tracks coming up. Interesting doesn't necessarily mean the best songs on the album, but well, it could do. That's interesting uh, because I, I, I won't um, blow my blow your own trumpet. Blow my own trumpet. Although Flea does blow his own trumpet. On, uh, on one of these songs. Well, he's an actor. He's a trumpet player. <laughs> well, I'm not. And I wasn't even going to blow my trumpet. I wasn't going to blow <laughs> my load. No, don't do that either. <laughs> no, I won't. Not on air. We're, we're, no, I wasn't not on air and not, and not on a video call with me. <laughs> no, well, quite. Well, as far as you're concerned, you can only see my top half. 
Well, this is a sticky road, and I don't want to go down it. No, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be sticky if the load was blown. <laughs> but we must move away from blowing a load. All I was yeah. trying to say was, I'm not going to tell you what I think about these songs. <laughs> right, fine. Okay. Oh, good. No, nor am I. So okay. That's good. We're both being completely upfront about that. Absolutely, we are. No loads blown. No trumpets blown. No. Apart I from... The interesting thing about playing a trumpet is it's more difficult than it looks. I think it looks quite difficult. It's all about the, the well, lips, it's, it's isn't it? even more difficult than that, though. Wow. How much on a percentage-wise? 66. Mu- 66% more difficult than it looks? Yeah. Well, trumpet fair play. play. Fair play to Flea, because he, um, he does it on a number of occasions on a number of songs. Yeah. And, and even did it pretty good. He even did it with Nirvana. He did, and you can catch that on YouTube. You can catch catch it on YouTube <laughs> if you type in Nirvana <laughs> or Flea. Look at me just swinging backwards and forwards on my new chair. Sam has I've, got a new chair. Finally, I succumbed to the pressure from my older brother to buy a new office chair. So Sam. here it is in all its glory. It's incredibly comfortable. It rocks back and forth, which the other one didn't even do. No, so you can rock back and forth in. Uh, well, you're free to do it. I've still, yeah, I'm doing it. I've still got some of the old chair on the floor because it was sh- shedding its black at a rate of knots in the last six months. Of course, of course. Well, it's been used more than it used to be used. Exactly that, Ben. That's a very, very astute observation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, I noticed that you've got a silent chair, and I'm wearing, of course, my. I'll show it to the camera. Pass. My silent. By the way, backstage pass from the By the Way tour for for a gig on September the eighteenth, two thousand and three. Of all things, wow! Just after my birthday, just after your birthday, yeah. Not your actual birthday because uh, that make you very young. I oh, know I was born in nineteen eighty one. You certainly were. Now, what are we going to do then, brother? Are we going to crack on to Cabron the first track? Yeah, I don't think we've got. Uh, we've had well. We'll just touch, touch on a couple of emails we've had. We had a lovely email from Skainsy oh, this week. Oh, Skainsy, of course. Alex Skains, Skainsy. To which I haven't replied, have you? I haven't replied yet, but I'm going to reply tomorrow. Yeah, so we'll say, Skainsy, thanks for the email. It was lovely to get, and you will receive a reply in due course. Great pictures of um, that particular island that I can no longer remember the name of that I have been to. Great stuff. Fraser Island. There you go. It's absolutely lovely. I've been there. It, it is a wonderful place. Uh, so thank you. And some lovely Twitter correspondence, as always, from various people. If you have corresponded with us on Twitter in the last two weeks, we thank you very much. Always do. Always do. But always. we must move on to Cabron. Coming out of Cabron at full volume, we're back to full volume after last week's shenanigans with uh, live at Woodstock 1994. Oh, Christ, yeah. That was pumping in my ears, pumping on my stereo, to quote Supergrass. Mate, I love that song. I love that song. How do you feel about it? 
I love it. It was obviously something that came to us early through the Jonathan Ross appearance. So oh, it, yes. it's always one that sticks in the memory. It's yeah. jolly. It's a great one to start the episode because of its, it's a happy song. Although the meaning of Cabron, of course, is not all it seems. Undertones, brother. Undertones. I know. We don't mean to bring it down, but we have to. Well, shall we discuss the Jonathan Ross performance, and then mm. we'll uh, move on to the seamier side of Cambron? Yes. Shall we, before we do, shall we just touch on the fact that we came out of the last section, had a little <laughs> chat, and then, and then came back in to, to record this without actually <laughs> listening to the song, and only realised once we'd started recording that we hadn't listened to it. Yes, of course. And I went straight into to my spiel. I said, coming Cut. out of Cabron at maximum. Hang on. We listened to it. <laughs> but now we have listened to it. We have. Oh, what a, what a tune. What a tune. Okay. Were you with me in the, uh, the lounge when Cabron was on Jonathan Ross? I was with you. Well, you, you were go. with me. Well, I, well, quite. Because we are, well, we're a symbiotic circle, like, um, like, like, the, the, gun, like the Gungans. Circles. Yeah, like the Gungans on Naboo with uh, the other people that lived on Naboo during The Phantom Menace. But uh, Noises. That's, Noises. that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, I phoned, I think Vanessa phoned, uh, then my girlfriend phoned us up, phoned me up on my Nokia snake phone. Yes. Well, I don't Nokia. know it's, it's, it's actual name. That wasn't its designation, but it, I had a blue case on it. And mm. uh, Vanessa phoned me up and said, get on Jonathan Ross. Uh, the Red Chili Peppers, yeah. And and then uh, they were one of the biggest bands in the world appearing on Jonathan Ross, who at the time was a, a huge television personality. Yeah, he absolutely was. He was a, he was the biggest um, television personality in in uh, England or the UK at that point. So yeah, he was he was he was very big, and they came on and just did one song, which you know for a band of that size is quite unusual, and an unusual choice of song as well, because you're promoting an album and then you're playing a song, which you're not playing a single, you're playing an album an album track. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it, it's an album track unlike anything else on the album, and unlike any, I mean, what would you most sort of compare it to most accurately? If anything, it's kind of sounds a bit like they're red hot in terms of pace. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get close to anything with Cabron on no, off the top of my head no. for any other chance. Off the top of my head, their red hot comes into my mind, and they're not that similar, but they are both, you know, fast on the drums and yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we'll go with their Red Hot, shall we? We've got to. We must. Um, I love that performance because what it shows is that you can take a song that is quite, that is quite lush on the, on the album mm. with, uh, with quite a lot of backing, uh, guitars working overtime, and you can just strip it back mm. uh, to, uh, I think someone was at your front door, mate. They are. <laughs> During lockdown. It's all right. It's a it's a pizza it's delivery. A pi- it's a pizza delivery boy. Is that a Rocco's? <laughs> it is. Oh, hey, sponsorship they from Rocco's. They said right, we insist on delivering the sponsorship pizzas during the recording. Mid Cabron. Yeah, and so they've done they it. Have. And they've done they've it. Done it. Fair play and, they, and presumably they're free pizzas. Oh, they are completely free of. Uh, they're free. They're free of any freeness. <laughs> yes, they're, they're, there's no, there's no freeness. But they, no, they, they, but they are, they are, they are the sponsor. So you know, we must bow to them. 
Well, and pay them money. It's transactional. It's £26. <laughs> what the fuck? Is that the delivery? It's half price if you walk down and get them. But I suppose you can't. Two pizzas and some chicken goujons. Lovely. Okay, well, back to Cabron and Jonathan Ross. Yes. Um, Chad's looking very bohemian. He is, yes. And, and, of course, Flea's got his hat on as well. Yes, he has. Lovely and topless. Yeah, he's the only one who braved it. Ah, oh, but you've got classic Swan. Classic Swan and John from these eras. Well, yes, the, the, you have. Swan's, the Swan's got his sort of thin top on and then his classic shorts. I love that look. I love is that it? look. Yeah, and his hair is, is decent at that time. He, he, you know, he looks great. Um, and John, yeah, John's got the old classic combo, long sleeves, T-shirt, looking good. And he plays great. his heart out, John, of course. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a really difficult song yeah. to, to play live just because of the way it's structured. Um, it's very, very high chords. Yes. It's quite complicated picking. You have... Um, I just saw a Rocco's come across the camera. <laughs> you have... Uh, you have... Um, well, the, just the intro is interesting structurally-wise because you have... Uh, those long strums at the beginning. Then you, then you have, yeah, sorry, yeah. then you have that arpeggio piece, the picking, yeah. which is string skipping, which is quite difficult. Uh, and then you have the picking and strumming, that signature part, the uh, part. So just in just in that little section, you've got a lot going on from John. I'm going to give you a definition here, actually, Sam. Please do, Ben. Please we talk do. a lot about arpeggios, uh, and we're going to talk about arpeggio keyboard parts as well later on but we normally talk about the guitars. Arpeggio is uh, from the Italian, arpeggiere, and it means to play on a harp. And that makes sense because, as we said before, when you think about uh, uh, playing, the guitar, playing an arpeggio on the guitar, it's playing single strings at once to, yes. the, to, to form a chord through single strings. Uh, so think of Everybody Hurts as the easiest thing, um, you know, just that one string at a time. So there's the actual definition of arpeggio. Boom. That's that. it. I mean, for a non-musician like me, this is just, you know, it's educational. This is liquid silk. Well, I've got more if you're interested. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but surely I must. Yeah, please, carry on. Uh, because it, it's capoed as well. Uh, it's capo seven. Um, I thought it was. Yeah, so the cap... Well, you see it on Jonathan Ross. It's capoed very high, capoed on so, seven. A question I've got for you is, how often does John play with a capo? Not often. No, I didn't think he did. Not often. And uh, apart from later on, he will. Actually, on one of these songs further down the road, uh, the acoustic guitar part is, is capoed. Because, mm. and, well, I'll, I'll talk you through a capo. There is some debate. Some people say capo, some people say capo. And what it does mm. is you're, you're essentially full... It's a clamp, basically, that clamps it down is, on the string. What it does is it shortens the playable length of the fretboard, so it raises the pitch... Mm. Because you are you are shortening the length of, of the fretboard, gives the guitar a higher pitch, a higher tone, a higher timbre, and it helps to play different mm. voicings of the same chords. So if you don't like playing bar chords, you can capo it and and uh, play open chords instead of bar chords. It makes it easier to change the key of a song. But what it does when you change the key of a song is it makes the guitar sound higher. So I'm not yeah. a fan of a capo, and I don't actually I I very very rarely lose it. The debate about capo or capo, how to pronounce it, I did actually look into. Would you like me to delve into this? Uh, please do. Okay. Well, capo, uh, m literally coming from the Italian 
head of fretboard, short for capotasto, capotasto. And so I looked further into this uh, and thought, well, how do Italians say capo? And apparently they do say capo, not capo. And uh, as a fan of the Godfather Minute podcast... Uh, we, we must respect the Italians. We must respect the Italians. But in the Mafia, there's, there's the capo regime, who are like the captains of the Mafia. You have, you have the head of the family, then, uh, then you have another layer, and then I think it's the capo regime, who are captains of the, like the foot soldiers. And that means, uh, so if you're a head of, a, of the soldiers, of the foot soldiers, mm. if you're the capo regime. So that, again, if you watch The Godfather, they say capo regime, not capo regime. I'm just put out there. I think that's final word on whether it's a capo or capo. I'm taking that as final word, certainly. And I, I always said capo anyway, so you didn't need to convince me. <laughs> well, that's because I say capo. <laughs> well, no, I... I uh, well, yeah, possibly, yes, but I... I mean, there are times when I talk about capos independently of you. <laughs> true, true. When you're with Tom, very, probably. Very rarely, but yeah. Yeah, yeah our, so, our, our great friend Tom Lucas. Uh, Tom Lucas... TommyLucas.net uh, uh, Burst Design new sponsor if you're in the market for some uh, what is it he does graphic, oh. graphic, graphic design then he's your man yeah Burst if you're in the, if you're in the, in the market for any of that stuff <laughs> yeah then check it out great fellow great fellow can't say he, he can't say we're not doing our bit for him he can't I mean we don't we're not sure what he does but we are saying his name a lot <laughs> yeah exactly all right, well, let's move on through and get further into Cabron then. Yes, let me just... I, I, can, I can bring up good old Jackie Johnson sent us the notes, and it's a difficult one, John-wise. They, they, are, they are quite far back in the mix, I feel, um, which makes it difficult, as he says, to work out exactly what's going on. But when you've got the Jonathan Ross performance as mm. a point of reference... Mm. It seems as if he's using rods around the kit, a triplet snare beat with a tambourine on the snare. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. And the, but, but interestingly, this song, the, the, you know, that, that bass is coming through, but it's, for me anyway, it was, it was reasonably deep in the, in, the, in the mix. John's guitar's coming through crisp. The, the, Anthony seems extremely high in the mix. Anthony's high in the mix on a lot of the By The Way songs, isn't he? Yeah, so, and Chad, he just seems on this particular song to be to be way back in the distance, and and like Jack touches on the the, the lovely rolls that he does into the verses, but they are they are so far back, but but it I think it works. I mean, the overall sound of the song I think works an absolute treat, but Chad just takes a bit of a back seat here. I think what I really like about the drums on this song is they roll across the ears; they're constantly moving from from left to right. Or yeah. right to left, depending on what way you're, you're wearing headphones. If you're yes. wearing it the correct way, it goes one way. If you're wearing it the wrong way, it goes the other way. Mm. It, but I think it gives the song a fullness. This, I think this is genuinely a great-sounding song. I, 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 yeah. I'm struggling with my passion for the Red Hot Chili Peppers sound. Well, I think what you're saying here is that, although, although on the face of it, this song is quite light-hearted and possibly considered by many to be throwaway. Actually, it isn't that at all. I think the swan sh- that shines here vocally. Yeah. There's a lot of lovely work from John. The guitar, the, the acoustic guitar playing is fantastic. And the depth, the actual depth to this song 
is, I think, actually belies its reputation. I think you're right, because it's a, it's a fairly deep-cut album track. If you said, uh, oh, it is, it is. And, and that's why, like you said, for them to play it on, on Jonathan Ross was a, a bold move. Even on this album, if I said to you name, name a song from, by the way, that starts with a <laughs> yeah. C, uh, you'd pro- probably say Can't Stop. Cameron's one of those tracks, I mean, we all know it's on, by the way, but... When you actually said to me, we're starting with Cabron, I'm kind of thinking, oh, Cabron's on By The Way. Yeah, of course it is. It's just buried so deep underneath all of those other brilliant songs, isn't it? So, yeah. it's. Um, but when you listen to it, I was dancing around. You saw me. I saw you. I saw you. Uh, we played Cabron in the Lukewarm Cusick Peppers. Did we? I believe so. And I haven't checked the set list. So no. I think maybe on the ep- a couple of episodes ago when we did talk about it, we didn't play it at that gig, but we definitely played it at least once in the Lukewarm Acoustic Peppers. And presumably you used a, 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 a capo. A, a capo. A capo. I used a capo on seven, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let, seven. let's uh, touch base with Dan Bogosian, shall we? Um, just oh, I'd love to. Take a few facts from the fantastic book Red Hot Chili Peppers FAQ, all that's left to know about the world's best-selling alternative band by Dan Bogosian. Mm. Um, a couple of facts that come out that spring from that book uh, JF, John Frusciante inspired by Vinnie Riley from Doretti Column and again if I've mispronounced any of that I've never made those noises before But John Sorry, was looking, you definitely said the word column correctly yes I did and I'm pretty sure I said inspired correctly but the rest's open to interpretation the rest who knows john wanted more than just chords so you get that kind of flamenco run that signature run from cabron that you that you immediately think about when you think about that song chad tried a lot of beats and before old ricky rubin ricky r or r rubin added a slap back delay onto it and that changed chad's way of seeing it and so it changed the sound of the drums and that's why the drums sound that way and apparently right. Flea struggled with the bass line. He didn't wow. record it on a stand-up bass, as you see on the Jonathan Ross show. It was recorded on a, on a, a, on a standard electric bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was John's bass because he suggested that uh, Flea work with a capo or capo or how, how else did you say it? Carpo. Carpo. Yeah, he suggested that uh, Flea put a carpo on his bass to see mm. if he could then look at the neck differently. And, uh, and, the, wow. and it did, and then it results in that, in that bass line. Well, this is just fantastic stuff. You know, we, we just assume that these boys write these songs and that it's effortless. There's always a story. There's always a story and there's always a journey. Mm. That's, that is the great thing about songwriting. Um, I, may have, I can't remember if I've said this before, but when I was doing Vanessa's Christmas song, so I wrote that through December, mm. how I thought it was going to be when I first started recording it and how it turned out was two di- completely different things. And, of course, you played the, uh, uh, I did, I did. the, the cajon on that song. I do. I, as far as I remember, we did talk about this on the last episode. Right, well, I'll shut up then and move <laughs> back, back on to Capron. But, but it's a valid point, but let's move on. Yeah, I mean, it's a valid point, but shut up. Um, <laughs> I've got a little bit of stuff around the bass here. Nice. Um, really interesting playing from Flea here. Really incredibly nimble and propulsive bass playing, uh, especially when uh, the swan is singing, I'm small, but I'm strong, all that kind of thing. Mm. It's, it's a 4-4 four, four song, so it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. 
but Flea drops in there to playing one, two, three notes. So while the click is going, while Chad is playing one, two, three, four, at that point, I'm small, but I'm strong. Flea is playing one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, which works against the the four, Mm. four beat absolutely brilliantly. Uh, That's at 41 seconds. That's at 54 seconds. Um, I'm small and anyone would take a cue. This, I mean, this guy, we've established he's a hell of a bass player. Oh, my God, he's a hell of a bass player. But yipes. Some of the stuff he does is really, really good. And uh, in the pre-chorus, he goes for the offbeat approach. Yeah, so he's just playing different bass lines around the same chords. And uh, uh, it's great I stuff. Mean, by this point, yeah, these boys are good at this kind of thing. Yeah, they really are good at playing songs they've written. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, but they're good at writing songs. Yes, they are. Together. I think we can agree that by this point, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were good at writing. Yeah, they, well, they are. They, they had reached the pinnacle. I think, is this the pinnacle? Or is the pinnacle still to come? Uh, well, the pinnacle might be still to come with the new album, but this is... Well, it's difficult, mate, because then you throw into the mix um, I'm With You, which is a great album. Yeah. but I it's, it's, it's a pinnacle. Yeah. If we it, let's if we refer to each album as a pinnacle, mm-hmm. and then the years where they don't release albums as dips, uh, di- dips in in that yeah, it's a bit like a mountain range, isn't it? Very much so. You've got the highs and the lows, the highs and the lows, and this is a high. This is very much a high. In fact, the I was year saying after when they didn't release any music, a desperate low, a lo- an absolute <laughs> low. The year after, another terrible low. <laughs> another low. <laughs> Hang on. The year Wonder after was another a... low. Oh, and then another terrible low, but then I think a massive high. <laughs> yeah, a peak. <laughs> then, they, then they went low again. Yeah, but well, then they go low for another three or four years. Then they go, then it's, an, then they go then high it's a high. <laughs> yeah. And if I remember, so two or three more lows and another high. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's basically the life and story of being a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. I'm not calling the getaway a massive high. I'm sorry. No, but there are more lows than highs. They won't be years, rushed. Years-wise, no, they, they will not be rushed. But the, the good thing is that there's so much to enjoy that, you know, there will be another one. And, you know, there's rumours flying around already. Let's well, not get bogged down in those. But um, there will be another high, and, and we're all very much looking forward to it. But in the meantime, we, we just listen to, you know, this kind of stuff and bloody dance around the room like a madman. We certainly do. Now, we've got the solo's nice, though, isn't it? That slide solo. Yes, that's what I call The Doors by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Do you? Do you? Just co- reminds me of The Doors, that well, kind of stuff, that kind of swooping note, notage. Yeah, slide, slides. Slide guitar. Slides, yeah. slides, if you will. I've got off it a bit now that you've you've uh, compared it to the Doors, but I, I, you know, well, I, I did I used to like might. it. Mm. We've spoken about what I call them before. We must not mention it again. Well, but what I love is the way uh, I just love the way he comes out of the solo mm. with 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 just one that's you know down. He slides and, low, doesn't he? Coming out yeah, the solo. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, really good. Okay, well, have you got anything else to say about Cabron? Oh, we've got to say what it means. We haven't even done that yet. Oh, God, I mean... It, the dirty the I, dirty section. I, I thought to myself when I was researching this, what does it mean? So I went to Google and typed in Cabron meaning. Mm. And I was staggered. 
Male goat? Why did that stagger you? No, no, I didn't get any of that. I got, like, fucker and all kinds of bad words. Even asshole. Uh, if you watch stuff like Narcos or, or Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, anything set in or around Mexico, you'll hear mm. them call each other cabron a lot. And it's interesting, you would then go... With that knowledge... Well, now, I, I mean, thought it meant friend. Based on this song, I thought it was a friendly term. Well, no, because he's saying... He's singing mm. to a man who is a little bit of a... A bit a of a one. character, well, he say. says he's... I looked at mad dogging. Because oh dogging in this country means something different to what it might mean in other countries. So if you go oh mad okay. dogging, who knows what this country... Oh, my word. If you do that in this country, then it's carnage. It absolutely is. Stay at those car parks, people. But in this, uh, in this uh, circumstance, it means to glare with hostility. There, se- there seems to be a great deal of hostility involved in this song, actually, when you boil it down. Yeah, it's very beautiful. But to go on air uh, and sing those words, if they ever perform this on Spanish television or Mexican television or any Spanish-speaking country, mm. that, do you think that ever happens? Spain... Well, Spain for one, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to bring them into it, but they seem to be leading the way in that particular department. Well, you say you don't want to bring them into it, but you have. <laughs> for that, I apologise. Well, let's move on past that, uh, that, that uh, international incident. Mm. And in, yes, and, 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 and what we don't want to cause is some kind of trade embargo. No, certainly not. We'd, we'd hate to, uh, for example, have to change all our trade deals with countries like Spain. I mean, I've just said to you, do you want to go straight into sponsors? But I think we've got to talk about that song first. I'm sorry, brother. I've changed my mind from 10 seconds ago. No problem. No problem. We, we talk repeatedly about the evolution of the Red Hot Chili Peppers as a band of the kind of songs they produced. But did you ever hear anything like this from that band pre-tear? No, I don't think we did. Um... And as a result, it was always a favourite of mine. I, I, I just love this song. And listening to it then, I was just taken aback by how long it is and how much there is to digest. There's bits and pieces to it, isn't there? Cause it's not a traditional structure. You've got a, a, a guitar solo quite early on. You've got, then you've got a, a trumpet solo where Flea does blow his own trumpet. He does, which he's Literally. allowed to do. He is allowed to do. That's not a problem at all. And... This song keeps building and building, and then it'll just dip you down. It's much like the release schedule. You know, you'll have that high, that'll yeah. bring you down. Yeah. You'll have that little low. But you've, you've got the incredible backing vocals, the layers upon layers of, of sort of Beach Boys style backing vocals. It's it, it, this. When you when you talk about Tear, for for me at least, it's quite easy to sort of brush it aside as just a very good album track. But you can you can hear and feel the love and effort that went into this song. It's it, it's fa- absolutely wonderful. 
Uh, yeah, it, it's certainly more than just an album track for me. It, it's grown on me throughout the years. Mm. Um, that sound, that warm keyboard sound that they have, mm. that the beginning is doubled with Frusciante's uh, guitar, uh, guitar, and then when the singing comes in, the guitar drops out. It's such a beautiful sound because that guitar at the beginning of the track just gives it a slightly more rough edge, yeah, uh, which then drops out. So when the swan comes in, He's pure, and the Swan is fantastic on this. Oh yeah, uh, uh, he is absolutely bang on. You know, he he delivers it a wonderfully well, but also you know some of the some of the lyrics here are wonderful. There's just a, a lot to admire from the Swan, and and also quite a lot of you know different approaches that he's is it's not just a sort of straight delivery. There's a lot of change up from him here. He's working with John exceptionally well we know this happens of course it does and this is one of the reasons why we're looking forward to john coming back but i think what the swan does here so brilliantly is root the the craziness that that john is creating with his backing vocals because Mm. it's it's nuts what happens here with the backing vocals this is this is a choir of angels Mm. singing to us a choir of fashante angels and uh I think the lyrics are, are very, very meaningful here as well. I've d- I did a little bit of background on the lyrics here and maybe what the meaning of the song is. If I... Uh, hello, is that the new chair? <laughs> Just no. clicking. It, it only it's, clicks the first time. All right, OK. Well, well that won't happen again then, which is great. <laughs> um, so, tear, talk, looking, there might be religious implications to this. Um, Implications about the accepting the finite nature of existence. Uh, in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, for example, mm. only it says only when a man accepts this, that, that existence is finite, will he be granted the privilege to tear, to tear evil from his existence. So accepting your life to be what it is, the chorus mm. lyrics especially, I think, tie into that acceptance of... of uh, taking your life for the finite existence it is and making the most of what it is. Yes. Well, I think that that's a very valuable lesson. And there is a famous saying, uh, I'm not sure who said it, but it's famous. Uh, and I can't remember the exact word. Wow! What insight! <laughs> what insight! You don't know the saying or who said it? <laughs> that's fantastic! I'm glad you came on. Yeah, no, no. But it's, it's along the lines of... Ma- uh, you know, man lives, has two lives. And the second li- or the, the life begins when you, when you realise you only have one life. It's something like that anyway. Oh, okay. Well, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you're inspired, I can tell. I sucked my lolly while you were doing that. I took the opportunity to have a suck on my lolly. <laughs> you said lolly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not like Prince. I haven't removed ribs to be able to... To do to, that um, kind of thing. To do that kind of thing. But we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. Um, I remember when we first saw the track listing for, uh, um, by the way, before it was released, we didn't know yes. whether this would be called Tear or Tear, did we? We didn't. No, no. We, that we was didn't. soon cleared up. It soon was cleared, cleared up, up immediately after we heard it. Well, we, of course, we were heard it on the de- delayed release. So, um, you know, the song yeah. by song release. Oh, man. Life was different back then. It certainly was, mate. Certainly no. was, but we we didn't do this kind of thing. For example, these video calls—they didn't exist. 
No, they didn't. And and uh, well, we didn't today, need to. We, we lived together in there. Yeah, we lived together. We didn't have to. Your bedroom was uh, next door to mine, basically, so we were fine. Uh, what do we think about the, well, the structure? Is this, verse two is half the length of the first verse, mm. and then you get that solo from John. What do you think of the guitar solo? Well, I personally like it. I think it adds to to the. It's another layer to the song, and it it brings it into you know a song with 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 meaning rather than being a sort of linear just a straight line i think it there are there are things that mean that this song is more valuable musically and i think the guitar solo is one of those things the trumpet solo is another the backing vocals is another there there are a lot of layers here we talk about layers a lot but this is this is heavy I actually find the guitar solo to be one of the least inspiring parts of the of the song. I find mm. when Flea comes in with the trumpet solo, it tra- it's transcendent and it lifts it to another level. I find the, the, the quite planned nature of John's solo here, because it's quite... Well, it is, it is and I it's, guess it's, it's quite... Plinky plonky is the wrong, is the wrong phrase, mm. but it's clearly planned out. It's not one of his, we'll just see what... I'll start playing and see what happens no. solos. No, it isn't. But I, well, I, you know, I, I'm maybe I'm biased. What do you mean by that? Well, I just straight up like this song. Oh yeah, well, I, I straight up like the song as well. And as you say, there's highs and lows. The solo's fine; it just doesn't inspire me. It's Whereas not the, not one of your favourite things. No, when the trumpet comes in, that does inspire me. Um, I just want to talk about. There's the introduction of the cello at two fourteen. As the solo, as that solo starts, just building up on you know those layers, just thickening the sound out. Mm. Um, listen to the bass at twenty uh, two minutes twenty seconds. It's a bit odd. I'll go no further. But Flea does something really weird, and he's throughout well, the please first. Please go further because I'm not going to listen to it again now. So well, he goes a bit like makes that kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> I can't right, yeah. I can't describe it any better. It's very low and it's very difficult to pick out, but. Two minutes twenty. About well, it's a bit. Is it a bit wobbly? Is that how you yeah, describe yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's very wobbly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. But I, now, I think that's wholeheartedly intended. Uh, well, they wouldn't have left it in if it if it was something they didn't want to be in there. No. But it is a bit weird. Um, and Flea builds again. He because coming out of that solo, that's the first time the bassline starts to get a bit more complicated because previously mm. it was it was more single notey. And as, as we move into verse three, instead of playing the single notes, he starts playing that more busy bass line. And it's just, you know, you're building, you're building, you're building, as we always say. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and so Chad just lays it down in the background here, doesn't he? It's, um, it's a heavy beat, and Jack touches on this, actually. He, he says if you heard the drums independently of the rest of it, you would, you would probably think that it was a much more heavy song than it is, because Maybe. he lays it hard and fast. Oh, but, the kick drum pattern here slow. is the pick. The kick drum pattern here is absolutely outrageous. Mm. There's big spaces between the snare hits, and you hear like ding, 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 a load of kick drum happening. Yes, it's, it's, it's wild. What else is our man in the northeast got to it's, say about? It, well, he mirrors what Flea's doing on the bass, um, and he's not using a lot of cymbal crashes, which is notable until later in the song. He switches to the body of the ride for the solo. Nice to hear that use of the term body of the ride, mm. which is something that we absolutely endorse. endorse. 
and it's a really nice chimey sound, which actually is important because there is there is even though it's you know there's a lot going on. I say chimey and chirpy, like John's backing vocals. Uh, it all sort of buys into the same ethos. It is an upbeat song, I believe. It's a strangely downbeat, upbeat song. Yeah, because yeah. it's really it sound it's really positive. You come yeah, out of this it, song feeling great. Yeah. But it feels like John's John's backing vocals are trying to rise above the rest of the song. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, but it, and I think that maybe it's that juxtaposition of of John's sort of soaring backing vocals and the 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 the, the feeling that the that all of the other things bring to it that make it so enjoyable because it is, you know, it really is food for thought. It's a rooted song that is allowed to soar from uh, from John's backing vocals. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an incredible song, actually. And to, to find it just in the middle of an album, I think, is... I reckon a lot of bands would, would write that and, and call it a day. Yeah, just quit. We're done. We're done. We've, uh, we've, so, but it's our first song that I don't care. Yeah, we're do- yeah, exactly, we're finished. Is it called Tear or Tear? We don't know yet. It doesn't matter. It's no. our first song and we're not writing anymore. We're, not gonna, we're never going to be heard of again because oh. of that. Well, that's what, that was the problem with our band, wasn't it? We wrote... Uh, you did Snake Bar, which we recorded together. Yeah. And, and that was the end of that. Just wrote well, me... I think uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad that you now acknowledge that we were a band, but that, that's the first time that, you know... You've said that. Well, we've been in many bands, but this was, uh, we were in a duo briefly to record Snake Bar. It was acknowledged yeah. as the, the great American popular song, and we had to immediately split well, up. If you had said at the time that you wanted to, you know, launch a career, I would have gone, I would have gone with you, brother, but you didn't. Couldn't, couldn't do it. We'd, we'd, we'd done everything. Yeah, we'd basically written a 30-second radio ad. <laughs> yeah, that's a that great that, that I'd written 20 years before in school. <laughs> do you remember how the worst St. Bar? So I can do the... Uh, like, of course. Okay, ready? Okay. When you're all alone and hunger is a bad thing, go to the cupboard and get your favourite snack. It's called the snake bar and it really buys back. Great stuff, great stuff. I had to allow there with my uh, my beatboxing for the delay, but I, I think I did all right. I think it sounded fine to me. Okay, so we've missed out one of the key parts of this song. We've talked about the breaking up of it with the solo and the, the guitar solo and the trumpet solo. We haven't addressed the interlude. You know, mm. that, that, uh, the, the, what we call on this podcast John's high Hawaiian chords or his, mm. uh, his high Havana affair chords. The tremolo picking, of course. Yes. That we've yes. talked about before. Well, again, it's... I'm not going to fault it, but I sense that you might. Oh, I love it, mate. Absolutely oh, love it. Great stuff from um, John with the tremolo picking because I never noticed before when he's got that high, fast tremolo picking on the high chords, tremolo picking, GTP being you're essentially strumming as fast as you can or playing something as fast as you can. Christ, yeah. Chad's on that lovely rolling cymbal. But John has something which I've not noticed before. He's also strumming clean those same chords but clean on a really mm. unprocessed sound on one of the ears. It sounds weird. Uh, go back to this song, people. Listen to that interlude where we've got John playing the, the Hawaiian stuff. And listen to him playing single strum chords. It's balmy that that was how they uh, put that through. On that interlude, Flea is playing a 
brilliant bit of kind of staggered stuttering bass that works so well against what Chad's doing, so well against what John's doing, so well against the flow of the song. And when Chad drops in at 329 and comes back in with that B, oh, mate, what a song, what a song. Have we got anything else from uh, our man in the northeast, JJ, Jack Johnson, Jack Fox? I just drums, couldn't hear the bass guitar. You'd think it was a big, oh, yeah, a big ripping metal guitar solo. So what he's saying is basically that Chad just lays it down hard, really hard here, for, especially for a ballad. Uh, he talks about the space that he leaves for John to do his thing, which, again, is just an appreciation that Chad has as a, yeah, as a musician and a relationship that they all have, really. But um, it is something special, and particularly within the sort of confines of this track. Uh, all the while giving the groove something something to nod your head to. So Chad lays it down. What else would you expect from the myth, really? Oh, I expect him to lay it out so the others can play it out. That's, exactly, that's exactly what, he, what does. he does. And Christ, at this time, they were playing it out to a particularly high quality. Great song. I think we'll both agree. Shall we move on to the next tune on this particular Odyssey? It's on Mercury. Anyway, as you uh, no doubt are completely confident about, we're talking about the Red Hot Chili Pepper song on Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I've just listened to this. I've often thought of this as a more throwaway track. On the I album. bet you have. I knew you would have. Uh, what do you think about it? Well, I, I can understand why you might think that, but once again, once you stick it into a quality pair of headphones, this thing delivers on so many levels. Buckets and spades. Ah, oh, buckets and spades, and then God, everything else that you don't might bring, take to the don't beach. bring religion into it. Windbreakers, yeah, um, those little tents that you get changed in. Yeah, a, a small kind of rubbery ball with two wooden bats. Wooden bats that you 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 try and play with for as long as you can. Mate, to be honest, we did, and we invented some brilliant games in Spain with those with those things. We marked out a court a court on the beach. We, look, let's not drift off again. Get back on our Mercury. Oh, man. Okay, well, Jack Johnson starts by, by posing a question. Is this what Red Hot Chili Peppers and No Doubt would sound like if they collaborated? Wow. The thing is, there has been a resurgence of Gwen Stefani recently with a new single. Has there? I think it's called, something, it's called something like Let Me Reintroduce Myself or Reintroduce Myself. I've been listening to more Radio 2 with the House Ambassador while we play pool in the dining room. Okay, um, okay. And so Gwen's back. The Chili's are, are back. They never went away. Well, they're not back yet, though, are they? Well, look, we also know that Gwen was stood outside um, the garage when um, oh, yes. when they were recording Californication. So, you know, who knows if that, that crossover could still happen. It yeah, could, so it it's, a, it's a no-doubt no Chili's crossover. It's a, it's is that yes it's a, it's a scary type punk sound. It's a, I think actually on this listen it's fantastic. It it's a combination of a, a, a lot of the other songs in this late period of the album that pretty much heavily swamped in John's backing vocals and have mm. taken a, a, a scar punky song 
And again, completely swamped it in John's backing vocals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird juxtaposition. It's not as swamped, though, but it is. They are prominent again. They certainly I mean, are. You can, you, I mean, you can see why Flea got pissed off. Well, <laughs> yeah, I can on certain things because the songs aren't what he might have been doing. But was he getting pissed off with the fact that John was doing so many backing vocals? Or was he pissed no. off about the direction the music was taking? Or just John's prominence in, in writing the songs. I mean, I don't know, but that's what I'm... I, I think it was just the fact that John was, was, was so prominent in, in, you know, in the actual writing of all, of all the songs. Oh, absolutely he was, yeah. 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 But, you know, you can't, you can't argue with the results. The results are fantastic. And it's e- an album that I think we all are happy that it came out the way it did and, and exists in the way that it, it does, so... Well, I'm going to ask you to rate this album out of five at the end of this episode, if I remember. Ten. Five. Can I rate it out of ten? I just have a bit more wiggle room there. No. Five only. Yeah. Sorry, mate. I want no, to no, know. Sorry. Really, I'm, I'm going to put the hammer down on you at the end of this episode. Oh, man. If I remember. In two hours, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could, be, it could be tricky. Let's dive deeper, shall we? Delve. Dive. A deep delve of a dive. Verse one. This suits the swan down to the ground, this. It allows him to put that little affectation into his voice throughout this song. Uh, it's, he's brilliant on this song. Talk Absolutely. to me about this affectation. Give me an example. Um, he, he, I would say, well, I can't give an example lyrics-wise, but across the verses, he's mm. just putting a little extra into it, a little extra something else, a je ne sais quoi, if you will, um, sure. To quote Carly Minogue again, I still love you, je ne sais pas pourquoi, which, as we all know, means I still love you, I don't know why. And mm. I would say, why is the swan doing this on this particular song? Je ne sais pas pourquoi. Oh, you don't know why either? No. I'm not privy to the swan's creative choices, unfortunately. No. But it's a song that drives from minute one, oh, second one. To the very yeah. end. Yeah. The end of minute one. <laughs> yeah, it's from the end of minute one. The rest of the first minute is, is slow oh, going. terrible. But Chad lets loose. Jack touches upon this. He, you know, he's finally going loose. The kickback is really clever. He's once again matching what Flea's doing, but it's, there's a lot of offbeat accents and syncopation. Boom! The snare sounds like it's been tuned up really high, which is how a lot of ska drummers tune their snares. This... I, thought Chad, I thought Chad always had a reasonably high snare. It's always reasonably pingy, but I think what Jack is doing here for us is giving us that drum information that we wouldn't know. Mm. This is the inside loop, the inside track. This is the inside track, people. Yeah, on what drums do in a scar situation. They're tuned up a bit higher to get that extra ping. Well, they are, of course they are. And and I think if you if if you listen to scar, that actually does ring true. But the the thing is, is being able to appreciate that. And put it in, and put it into context, and that's the difficult thing. You can hear it and go, "Oh yeah, that's kind of scary." Mm. That's two tone, but it's difficult to to actually do that within a song like this. And, and that's that's Chad for you. You know, he's he's operating within within this song, but putting a a recognisable scar twist on it. I couldn't agree more, Sam. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I, I do need <laughs> I do need to say at this point that. Um, I've, I'm thinking of now doing a, a crossover track, um, recording the song Scar Tissue, 
in the in the scar style and calling uh, no. it calling it scar tissue, but scar being spelled S K A. Yeah. So how might that sound? Ooh. Well, that sounds a bit like a like a, a nightclub beat. Can you give me a beat? If you do that. Oh, that sounds like the getaway. Scar tissue that I wish you saw. Sarcastic Mr. Know It All. Close your eyes, I'll kiss you. Cause... No, no, you sound like that toss piece. Oh, uh, what, the, the streets? Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I like cry, uh, dry eyes, mate. And I like um, fit, but you know <laughs> Mm. But interesting, I didn't immediately know who you were talking about. <laughs> well, as you can tell, I'm not such a fan. Okay, on the pre-chorus of On Mercury, um, what you're going through. John is playing an F sharp and an F sharp seventh, and what that means is he is um, he's playing he's playing thumb over parkles essentially, as we've discussed him doing. Is this the, the classic for Shante thumb over? Yeah, it is. It's GTP thumb over. It's thumb over guitar technical point. T-O-G-T-P. Well, what, I think it's a, 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 an extremely important technical point. Well, it's, it's incredibly important to have the way that this guy plays the guitar because in this instance, on the pre-chorus, um, what it allows him to do is raise his little finger off. And so he goes from playing a full bar chord, a full yeah. um, F-sharp to an F-sharp seventh, where he lets the open E string ring. And it gives it a really draggy sound. Yeah, and when I be sort of right in thinking that as a guitarist, there might be a lot of times where people listen to John and go, "How does he? How does he do that? How does he make that sound?" And the answer is that he does that with his thumb. Yeah, back in the day, I don't I say back in the day. Hendrix was doing it. Well, the sound is what he can do. What uh, playing thumb over bar chords allows you to do with the rest of your fingers, mm-hmm. because yeah, if you play so bar, yeah, it frees you up to do embellishments. Yeah. Um, because if you're if you're playing a bar chord like normally, you'll see me do it as as you'll see me play them, because I've got mm-hmm. as we discussed um, very quite small hands. Um, you are barring with whatever the finger is, your pointing finger, and then so you need three other fingers to complete the bar chord. So you're you're mm-hmm. essentially doing capo or capo or capo mm-hmm. with your um with your, your your pointing finger. What's that finger called? Index finger. That is the index of the fingers. Yeah. Uh, what John is doing is playing that top, the, the bass E string, with his thumb over the top of the neck, which means that he is rele- he's released his fingers. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic uh, Hendrix sound, which mm. John, we know John kind of adopted which that sound. Presumably is where he, yeah, where he learns it. Yeah, you can, yeah, absolutely where he learns it. And you can do it if you... You couldn't play this particular point I'm making on that pre-chorus if you didn't play thumb over. No. Uh, if you're playing traditional bar chords, you're not going to be able to get that. But on that pre-chorus, let's talk about the Swan. What a great voice he has on this song, especially on those pre-choruses, where a child was due, and he goes, yeah. oh, child was... And I'm not even going to try it, because we can't no. get the Swan on this one. And I think, I think this is... You know, we've spoken before about the Swan's heyday. He sounds brilliant throughout this album, and, yeah. and it, just being effort, being able to deliver that kind of sort of falsetto, head voice kind of stuff, effortless, effortless, effortlessly, effortlessly. Yeah, I mean, he does it more effortlessly than you can say effortlessly. He does, and I think that's testament to the man. <laughs> it is, and you know, you know, if he goes tomorrow, 
Surely they'll bring that up at the, at the funeral. Oh, God, he won't go, will he? No. He might. You don't anyway. know something, do you? Do you know something? No. Let, let's screw on past that. We love him. He's alive. We love you, Swan. Hashtag Swan on the podcast. Oh, God, yeah. He's coming on, of course, with John before episode 80. We've got the army of... Our army are on it, aren't they? The army of fans. Yeah. Army of fans. Keep doing it. Oh, Whatever you're doing, keep I, doing it. I just think if we got them on, you know, we'd have a, we'd have a right old time of it, wouldn't we? We'd talk to them about all this kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, it might be touch to go with the swan when it comes to um, live performances. But, well, you know, no, because the good thing about it is he wouldn't be able to remember any of the previous episodes. So <laughs> We just wouldn't tell him. <laughs> We'd change our tune. We'd say, Swan, we love you live. You're impeccable. <laughs> You're impeccable. Your memory for lyrics is absolutely mm. outstanding. Mm. Never goes wrong. <laughs> it, well, yeah, so I'm confident. Quiz question for you, brother. Oh, yeah, take me on. At this stage in the band, and I will take you on. Uh, in verse three, the swan mentions stubborn Scorpio, another stubborn Scorpio. Mm. So, at this stage in the band, how many, I'll give you four options. How many Scorpios were there in the band? Was it one, two, three, or four? I'm going to say one. You're going to say one, and who do you think it is? Uh, Quicker? God. Uh, no, uh, Chad? Okay, well, Chad is one of the Scorpios, but the answer is actually two, because the, uh, swan, the swan himself is a Scorpio. Oh, I know that all their birthdays have, have clumped, aren't they, well, those the, three? Well, the swan is uh, the 1st of November, 1962. Chad yeah. is the 25th of October, 1961. Mm. Flea's a Libra, 16th of the 10th, 62. Yeah, so that's, mm. that's clumpy, clumpy. And of course, John's... That's well clumpy, mate. That yeah. is well clumpy. That is well clumpy. That's well clumpy, Nipper. That's well clumpy, Nipper, I tell you. Oh, I heard about chilies. They all said they were Scorpios, but they weren't all Scorpios. But I said to them, your birthdays are well clumpy. And they couldn't deny it apart from Foshante. Because John is, of course, Pisces, 5th of January, February, March, 1970. Less clumpy. Less clumpy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, oh, mate, going into pre-chorus two, the swan is doubled on this one. It, it might yes. be John, but it might be him doing the doubling. I'm a little bit confused. But, oh, my God, when he delivers that line due, again, that perfect falsetto again, here is even yeah, more powerful. Fantastic. I think we've just been knocked into momentary well, silence. It, 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 it takes me back to Dost, though. It takes me back to Dost. The, the kind of quality of vocal that you get in Dost from the Swan, you're getting again here, aren't you? It, he, he is just able to... He seems able, at least, to deliver to a level which previously... We, I don't think we'd seen. I don't think we've seen anything like this. Well, I, I don't whether think... Whether we have since, I don't know. That that falsetto point on this song is one of the best bits of singing I, I yeah. think that he's ever he's ever put down. And even on Dost, he's predominantly doing the low parts, the lower parts, and John is doing the the high falsetto. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah, is a, this I, is a I rare. Know what you mean. It just Dost. It's good singing. Yeah, Dost. When I when I listen to Dost, it just he just the vocal delivery from both of them together. Oh, that's just, what works. It, 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 
Yeah, that's what works, and that's what raises it to and brings it to mind when you talk about you know quality vocal deliveries. But yeah, the, the the swan sounds great here, and not only that, you know, he's he's doing this kind of thing that we're eulogising about now, but he's also delivering a more traditional swan, you know, vocal delivery for 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 the for the most part of the song as well. So he really is the full package here. I feel well, he certainly is. I'll tell you who else is the full package. Uh, Flea is. So's the myth. But so is John Frusciante. Flea's definitely the full package, yeah. It certainly yeah. is. A tiny yes, little package. They, they but... are, and combined, they are... Um, well, just a bigger package. Who's got a tiny package? No one's got a tiny package. A big package, yeah. I don't know whether we've got some breakup now. No, I don't think so. I can hear perfectly. OK, you're struggling. You're, you're breaking up quite badly. After a little bit of trouble over the internet connection, Sam, I must talk to you about the swan being doubled vocally on Chorus 2 and what a huge difference and what a much fuller sound it is from Chorus 1 where he's, where he's singing alone. It's just, again, it's building and building and building and building. Um, the interlude, where it just breaks down, is exactly the same as the beginning, apart from you've got those brilliant, uh, you know, the bass drum... And the uh, and the bass, the bass drum, the bass and the drum breaks, and then Chad <laughs> plays that amazing long roll yes. back in. Yes, can you, can you hear me, brother? Oh, that roll, man. Yeah. What, is Jack got anything else to say about? I can it? hear you. Yeah. Talking about the drums, bring on the bloody ambassador. He talks about that fill, as I believe he would call it. And he says it might be the first fill in the whole album. Yeah. Uh, he talks about the bell of the ride, uh, accent, accent. Go on. <laughs> are we are we struggling with internet? Okay, coming out of another drop in the uh, the internet connection, uh, we will persevere through a Mercury, won't we, Sam? We will. Yes. 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 Absolutely will. The, the, uh, the backing vocals uh, here are absolutely incredible. On the chorus two, John starts going an additional ooh-la-la-la in the left ear. Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, in addition to his original kind of ahs. Interestingly, on the last chorus, he, the, the ooh-la-las are dropped and you get a keyboard coming in, playing really fast-sweeping mm. arpeggios. Very quick arpeggios, two notes mm. part too much pub beat, too much pub beat. So again, that quick is the keyboard being played. Interesting because normally John's vocals build and build and build and build, and here it just drops out a bit. It's, it's a bit weird. Well, it is, but again, I think it it gives this song its own identity, and it adds to the whole feeling of of this being something a little bit different. And it does, it does still build to, to an ultimate crescendo, I feel. And everything that goes into it is weirdly suitable. Because when you, when you actually sort of break it down, you think a lot of these parts wouldn't necessarily go together. But when you listen to it as a, as a one, it sounds absolutely perfect. As a whole, yeah, maybe. Um, 
I've so got it, is, it's, it says a confusing piece. I don't think it builds to a crescendo, actually. I'm going on the complete opposite here. You're going north, I'm going south. You're well, going east, I'm going west. Well, when I say, when I say crescendo, I, I, I merely mean, the, you know, the ultimate end of the song. Hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, quite. Um, I don't think that can be questioned. Well, I think I am going to question that, I'm afraid. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think what happens here, I think it could end after that first chorus go around. Because then they go into another chorus, yes. and it could be a perfect three-minute kind of power pump, power pump, power punk scar song, power pop scar song, mm. and it then goes on again. I think it, I'm not entirely sure they need that second go around of the chorus on the last on the last one. Oh, I don't, I don't mind that. You know, I think I just, I, I think when you're when you're really into it, mm. that is the kind of time when you go, yeah, it's going again. Oh, well, I, I feel it's tacked on. Uh, I don't think they were making that noise. I feel it was tacked on, and I feel it's... A lot um, of people do, though, Ben. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people yes, listening as, to that song. Yeah, with in the exactly street. that reaction. In the street. I've seen it myself. In the streets. In yeah. Hyde, the streets of Southampton, the streets of Hyde, the streets of Dittenperlu. They're going around with their, with their phones or their iPods, if it was a few years ago. And they are, I can yes, hear them. Yeah. You can hear them. You can see them walking around. They're going, yeah, they're turning around the chorus on, him and, uh, on Mercury again. <laughs> there's, there's loads of them. Exactly that, Ben. You've seen it, I've seen it. We've, know, all, we've, seen it. we've all seen it. We've all seen it. When you're in the groove, it just is exactly what you want. Oh, we, I, I can't that, vouch for that. I think they did it because they were so deeply in de- yeah, engulfed in the song. Well... I'm not sure. Coming out of minor thing at generous volumes, my word, Sam. I said earlier on that that, that particular song wasn't smothered in Frusciante backing vocals. No. It turns out it is dripping in liquid Frusciante silk. I mean, I remember reading a review of, by the way, and in particular that song, and the reviewer at the time one of the only positive things he said about that song was, was the Frusciante backing vocals. And so as a result, when I think of that song, I immediately think of the Fashante backing vocals, and I don't think there can be any doubt that he, it is dripping in Fashante. Are you okay? You, you, I'm, I'm you okay. Struggling, struggling to breathe. Well, I've just had one of, the most, one of the biggest victories and moral victories in my life. To explain. Uh, well, I had a bottle of beer from today's sponsor, Sierra Nevada. <laughs> Sierra Nevada Pale Ale which yes. I'm sure many, many of our listeners will have tried, and it is absolutely delicious. So I will just try some on air, such as the, uh, the agreement that I have with Sierra Nevada. My word. That is flavoursome and delightful. But I did not have a bottle opener. But what I managed to find <laughs> in the drawer of my desk was a padlock. 
he pro- you, you proved it by opening and closing said drawer. Yes. And I said to Ben, do you think I can open this bottle with a padlock? Ben said, absolutely not. I then proceeded to open a bottle of beer with a padlock. If you're listening to this, get yourself a bottle of beer, get yourself a padlock and use it as a bottle opener. It does work. I'm now, this is my patent. Thump your desk as hard as you possibly can. But it did take you at least a minute to open it. It with took the padlock. me as long to open it with the padlock as it would if I'd walked downstairs and got a bottle opener. True. But that's not the point. So your sponsor is Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada. Pale ale. Yes, it's a Californian pale ale. And it is one of my favourites. I, I really do enjoy this beer a lot. Did you say Californian? I did. Yes, I did. Mr. Kiedis? Mr. Kiedis? Well, I'm sponsored again, and this is actually, we, we joke about this sometimes, about the sponsorships. Of course I'm sponsored by Carling. Of course I'm sponsored by my washing basket. Um, it's not a basket, it's a, it's a bucket that I filled up with ice for my beer. But again, BIP lolly pushers have come through for me. I'm so incredibly proud of you. Mm, thank you. For that or for my other achievements in life? That. Yeah. The other achievements? Not so much. Well, let, while you look it up, let me crack into minor thing because there is a lot to talk about here. All right, fine. It's an abs- it sounds like a straight-ahead rocker when it starts, but there's a, there's a hell of a lot going on with this tune. The yes. intro for Shantae, we've talked about the, um, the thumb over technique. This comes back into play here because he's playing an F-sharp minor seventh. That seventh is the open E string ringing out. If you're not playing open it's a it's a fucking fantastic propulsive driving song this and if you're mm. not playing it with the thumb over you're not going to be playing this song correctly uh or you could mute out the um the f you know the, the low string the low e string with your thumb and cheat it a bit but it doesn't sound as good no flea just chugging away on the root notes uh, he's very very powerful on this uh, in the introduction but here, there's a bit of a, a GTP and a, and a BTP, a bass CP as well. On that last turnaround, when, when John's playing a D major, and he's moving his, uh, the little finger around, he's essentially playing a D bar, a D power chord, D major power chord. Mm. But he, he, he's doing his little finger tricks again, and he moves down, so his little finger is playing a B note on the high E string, and Flea drops down to the low B on his bass guitar. So what you get is Flea's playing a B and John's still essentially playing a D, but with an added B note in it. And it gives it that kind of signature minor thing sound on that last turnaround, on the turnaround of every verse in the intro. What did you make of that fucking load of stuff? <laughs> Mate, that's an unbelievable kind of shit, man. Do you think that, um, that they could have done another turnaround at the beginning, just instrumentally? Because... The song comes in quite quickly on this. Well, that's one of the things that I noticed straight away, and I think I, I think they got it right, but I know what you mean. It, the one does come in extremely quickly, but I think that just adds to the whole, because it all comes in very quick, doesn't it? The drums come in extremely quickly, the swan comes in, we're off. So, no, I think it's about right, but it is unusual. I think maybe the choice was made that this particular song didn't have to be longer than it needed to be because the outro for this song is obviously really important to it and it goes into a different yeah. song essentially yeah yeah and if you have another turnaround at the beginning of the song you're adding another 20 seconds to it that... yeah exactly to what already is a, a, a reasonably long song for what it is but 
Um, you, you know, moving, move. The, I think the outro is so important to this song. Ah, oh, man, so important to the flow into warm tape as well. Well, let's get there, shall we? But we'll step through the song. Yes, yes. Across this song, John, across all that kind of verse stuff and the the intro pattern and the verse pattern, John is playing that D that I just spoke of, but he's playing different variations. This will happen during... um, Oh, fuck me, what's the next song? Warm Warm Tape. tape. Yeah, it'll happen during Warm Tape and it'll happen during Venice Queen. Across set chord progressions, John is playing those calls differently just to give it a bit mm. of variation it's one of the things that he more than any other guitarist i listen to is a genius at he's mm. just it's not much and you won't pick it up unless you're listening for it but on the ear it's telling you subliminally that this is there's just something different happening over repeated chord progressions for shantae yeah. wow what a genius what what's a genius he is and um even on a song like this, which again is—is is this the most throwaway song on the album? No, absolutely love this song. Absolutely love it every time wow. it comes on. This to me is better than—it's uh, better than um, on Mercury. Okay, it's better. It, it's better than. I like songs, as you know, that are played loud through a Marshall. And you just pump them. Proud. And you pump them and you grind them. It's better than... It's better than... Well, I'm, the thing is, I'm going to say it's better than warm tape. I'm about to rap. Rap style's about warm tape. Wax mm. lyrical about warm tape. It's better than I could die for you. Yeah, I'm not... Uh, I think, for me personally, it, 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 and don't get me wrong when I say it's one of my least favourite songs on the album, that's not saying that I don't like it, because I do... And there are certain things that I absolutely love about it. I think the outro is genius. Um, the backing vocals are lovely. There's a lot of wonderful guitar work, like you say. Just all of that different stuff that John's doing on the way down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, so good. So there's a lot of really positive stuff here, but I just feel like, and live, we know what it's become. So let's not, you know, you can't, you can't not take that into account. I've got a question for you. Yeah. What has it become alive? Well, with John's, John's solo work on, on this. I've got another question for you. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen this played live. What's the way in television? No, live minor thing. Minor thing. Hang on. This is a quick question. Have you been... Since we started talking about the song ten minutes ago, have you been talking about throwing your television? <laughs> when, 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 when did you say? When did you say? When did you say "gray" in your brain into throwing television? I think it was just during that speech. <laughs> okay, so. Um, <laughs> I did wonder. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have a mouthful of beer, then we'll get back on track. Oh, God. I'm all over the place.
All right. The brothers have just had a, a mouthful of beer. Sam, just to confirm, what song are we talking about? Minor Thing. A Minor King. I could hear Minor Thing in my mind. I was just talking about Throw Away Television. A completely different song. Yeah. Um, the rappy bits on Throw, on throw Away Television, on Minor, <laughs> on minor Thing. You know, dung, dung, dung. Oh, mate, that bit when Flea's playing that. Blown out bass sound, blown out bass sound. Big distorted sound. And it cuts into like a more classical Chili's bit. You got your bum, bum, bum. Are you still thinking about his television? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. Everyone yeah. is still thinking about his television. Yeah, well, I just what was worrying me was I thought you were talking about throwaway television. No, I was talking about uh, I was talking about dust. Yeah. So you got that great rappy bit. What did you make of the rappy bits? Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why it made it onto the album, really, is I think the Swan enjoyed that. I think the Swan enjoys this song. It's got a bit of everything for him. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's got some proper singing from him, some more, you know, rappy type stuff. I think as a band, they would have, they would have written this and, th- and thought this is a great song. Simple, simple stuff on this song as well sometimes. Like on that rappy bit from John, he's just playing very, 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 very high, just on the top three strings of the guitar. Yeah. I love that kind of little step up he does from that. Yeah. Just like a couple of, a couple of chords up. It's brilliant. What's our, what's our man in the North East got to say about Throwy Television? <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he says, basically, I think what we've all been saying, a quite simple feel, but a great tone setter to set the song off. Oh, yeah, the beginning. And that's, that's very yeah. true. Yeah, it's you cool. know, And it comes in so quick and so effective, as we said, that I think all of them deliver, really, in terms of just getting it going mm. straight off the bat. Right, you've got to. If you don't get it going... It, well, you never would. It's the second song in the road to start with snare hits. This snare is a lot more Chad Smith than the cranked-up scar-sounding one on, on, on Mercury. Right. And, and Well, I think... It, Jack alluded to that on the, you know, in his analysis of, of on Mercury. He certainly that did. was a, that was a change of sound, and this is much, you know, as he says, back to what we more know, back to what we know more. Mm. More prominent bass drum work, not really matching up with Flea until thirty nine second mark, which is classic Chad and Flea, and this is what I've really come to enjoy from from Jack's notes. You know that that appreciation of their relationship. It's priceless when you come to understanding the, the, the a that a not only their relationship but the composition of the songs as a whole. What's B? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's just A. It doesn't always have to be a B. No, sure, it's just traditional. You know, if you start with, with an A. Okay, well I'll do B. Yeah, B. Um. I, I think it's really, really important to to learn about the compositions of the songs, the songs as a whole. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what I said for A. Well, that's why I had to stop. Listen, what do you think of? Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> oh, that's, what I- <laughs> <laughs> that's what you say. That's what you say. That's what I say when I'm starting to get desperate. What do you think of the <laughs> ooh 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 ooh? Is that another dimension, well, or could they have left it out? No, no. I think it's well. They were never going to leave it out, were they? John came up. John came to the table and said, "Look, I think I've identified another time when I can go ooh ooh ooh." 
Brilliant. And you just identified another time where you could bang the, bang the table quite hard. <laughs> yeah, <again>. exactly. <laughs> well, that was when John was bringing it to the table. Right, sure. I was banging the table. And they said, well, John, look, you've, you have said who a lot already on this album. Are we sure we want to do it again? Hmm. And you've said, ah, quite a lot. And <laughs> yeah. woo. And woo. <laughs> yeah. But, it, it, again, it works, though, isn't it? It's, it's that sort of relationship between John's backing vocals and, and that sort of style of backing vocals, which is, in essence, quite a dated approach. Oh, it's doo it. some of this is doo woppy sounding. Well, it is, but he's bringing it to, into a modern setting. And, and by it, modern, it, we, we mean the early 2000s. Yeah, 20 years ago. <laughs> but even at the time, well, at the time, that, that was modern. It was cutting edge. But I think, you know, it just works. John was... Uh, uh, do you ever grow tired of listening to John say, ooh, ooh, ooh? No, no, mate, I never do. No, I'm, nor do I. I'm praying that the next album is smothered with John's... In this kind of shit. Yeah, in, in great songs. Yeah. If the next oh, album God. comes anywhere close to the quality of By The Way, I will be over the moon. Oh, bloody hell, mate. Of course you will. Here comes a solo for the ages, may I say. This big muff sound. Ah, the solo, which, as we, I mean, we know it has become live. <laughs> well, quite. <laughs> I mean, live, it's <laughs> such a fantastic outro. It's taken a long life of its own. Don't you ever leave, the swan says, as John plays the, uh, the minor thing solo. <laughs> 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 but what this, what this solo highlights is one of the things I love about Frusciante's um, guitar playing style which is, is is heavy picking action and especially yes. when you've got a, a big muff on mm. his pick attack on the strings is very very heavy this is one of my favorite solos ever and i've said i think i may have said it before this influenced my guitar solo on vanessa's christmas song in 2016 or 17 our little call oh, in the world. bringing it back to christmas songs aren't you yeah always bringing it back to those bloody christmas songs <laughs> But when I'm doing Frusciante influence things, and I will bring it back. Because of course, I, and you, you are well within your rights to do so, Ben. Mate, I was massively influenced by throwaway television for Vanessa's Christmas song. So, <laughs> I, so I, feel, I feel it's fair to bring it in. Now, interestingly, while John's playing this fantastic solo on, uh, on throwaway television, yes. from, from the left and right ears, he's bringing in, instead of having a rhythm guitar going, He's swelling in two different yes. two different things. His volume yes. swelling in two different um, two different things from each ear. It just as what what amazing thing to do! Your natural thing to do mm. when you're playing the guitar solo is just to have that original guitar pattern from the beginning. Well, you know, wherever you're going to play the solo, mm. just just being in that same volume, the same the same style, and instead it completely drops out. The solo comes in. You get those volume swells, solo ends, and you go back to what was being played before. It's yeah. moments of genius like this that make the Red Hot Chili Peppers something very, very special, Sam. I hope you agree. Almost every song, whether it, whether it be one of your favourites or not, almost every single song, you can find something. You can find, you can find a moment of, of inspiration in there where you think, yeah, that is actually a really clever little touch. And, and as you say, I think that this is that song's moment. This yeah. song's moment. And I, so, think, yeah. I think this is the album for Clever Little Touches. Because as, oh, as, yeah, yeah. This is the one where, well, especially for Shantae, 
he was thinking, he was plotting this out, plotting every song out so specifically uh, in a way that yeah. you, you don't hear so much on stadium. I mean, we know he laid and laid and laid on stadium, but there's, there's certain, if, if, stadium was, was, if stadium was one album, it would be at this level. But, uh, yes, but it wouldn't necessarily. I just, I just feel as if, by the way, it was it came at a time and and in in a period of John's development where it had to sound like this. This was the only way it could be, and this was the the result of years and years of not only musical development but but personal development. We know what he'd been through and. And he and this is this is how he ended up working. He was so full on and so dedicated to music because of what he'd been through. That if 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 his life had gone any other way, then then I don't think we would have we, we would have ended up with this. Art imitates life. Life imitates art. Need I say more? No, please don't. I won't. However, the outro. What do you make of the outro? Because the song changes. We move from this kind of hard hard funky rocker to yes. a, to a huge kind of well operatic is a big word but you've got huge keyboards you've got that beautiful beautiful repeating guitar line to me it's how to make how to make a major production out of a simple thing because the guitar no, a, mi- a major production out of a minor thing brilliant brilliant i i i love the outro and just take it as a as a singular entity i love it and i think it flows so nicely and is a wonderful end to this particular song but as i touched on earlier and i love warm tape i think it flows so nicely into warm tape and just almost almost as an extension of warm tape i think this outro is exceptional well done you got through that during a particularly gassy period of your life i think on that note we must move forward to one take. Coming out of warm tape there. Wow. I mean, again, for me, this was a song for me uh, that when I first bought this album was not one of my favourites. But I, it evolved for me and over the years... <laughs> yes. I really like it now. Yeah, for, for me. It evolved for me. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That one wasn't even sarky. That has slipped in. Oh, uh, God. Right. Give me, give me a quick synopsis of, um, of Warm Tape from your point of My view. My relationship with Warm Tape. Please do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible not to say it. No. Look, listen. I, when, I, when I took Warm Tape under my wing, I, I, and I, I really did. I've, I've loved this song from the, from the first day I heard it. Um, I remember here when they played it at Docklands and we were there. I I I went absolutely bananas because you did, you did. 
I just there's something about this song, about the way it changes. You know that there's there's a certain there's a certain vibe and a certain flow to the changes and and the different sections that just I love and I love the way it's delivered. I love the way the Swan performs throughout this song. I love the way Chad performs. You know, there's a lot of different stuff from Chad here. Jack touches on it. You know, he talks about the the double the double rack tom hit instead of the snare. You know that mm. he's using. Mm. It's just it. More than anything else, it's something different. It came out of the left field, and and it hit me hard, and it continues to hit me hard. And it's something. It's a song that I I enjoy being hit hard by. Should we hear from a reporter on the street reporting on warm tape on essentially a first hearing? Mm. This reporter is called uh, the House Ambassador, my wife Vanessa, and she says she would like to be given a song off by the way that she might not be so familiar with. I said, have a listen to warm tape. Here's the journey. I can't do it in Vanessa's voice. I'll do it my own. Mm. Put it on. First reaction. What the hell? Awful noise. Shit. Four weeks later, try it again. What, so she just stopped immediately? Well, she put it on the first time, thought, didn't like it. Waited four weeks. Then had another go. This has obviously been a long time in the planning. She watched a video of it. Now, there is a video of this um, where there's some fantastic colours, like a lot of boat work. It's a bit like... um, uh, the film uh, What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams in where the paintings come to life and they get the paintings. Really pretty video. Stop tapping. What is that annoying high-pitched sound, says Vanessa? Is it supposed to represent dol- a dolphin's mating call? What's the instrument, question mark? Why did they pick this song for me to listen to? <laughs> All sorts well, of I questions there. It was nothing to do with you. I didn't. <laughs> no, a lot of things, a lot of questions rolling around the old house ambassador's head here, and I don't mean to call you old, my love. Um, sounds very psychedelic. She goes on to say, "This is a journey, by the way. This little, it, this little yeah, section." I, I, I couldn't agree more on the psychedelic front. A few listens in. Okay, it's grown on me. It definitely sounds like a 1980s synthesizer thread throughout the tune. Shiver for me, girl. Quiver for me, girl. Are they referring to intimate relations? Is the question from the House oh, Ambassador. Christ. Shadow my freeform, a woman that I could keep warm. Are they spooning? Asks the House Ambassador. Goodness me. Sleeping next to you and I'm in your story. Is this a dream? Again, I, like just said, I just said on the video, what dreams may come. Settle for love. You're never far from home. I've been around but not around enough. Are they talking about, is this one talking about maybe wanting to be home, not on tour all the time, to be near that woman, that I need to be home more to give that person love? Would you make of it so far? Well, I have a mouthful of beer. Well, there's no, there's no doubt that it is an intimate song. It's a song about love. Uh, settle for love, settle for love, settle for love. Now, the, the swan, no doubt, is a marauder. If you will. So is settling for love, is that, is that a reference to moving on from his life as an as a ultimate sex machine? 
Well, this, Vanessa doesn't describe this one as an ultimate sex machine, strangely, but she does say there is no greater gift than love. Mm. She says, I think this is about a man who knows where he wants to be and with whom. The song rises and falls like thoughts of what's real and what's not and not being able to make sense of it all, but knowing that love is the answer. It's free-flowing, it's hypnotic. She loves the swan's voice. He sings it with expression, beautiful expression. She absolutely loves John Fushante's backing vocals. He echoes, and is, and, but he's unobtrusive. The myth seems to hold on and not let go too wild, but root the song. Wow. She doesn't, however, love, like the bass line much. She doesn't really relate to the bass line, um, which, well, she doesn't not like it. She, doesn't, she didn't really pick up on it. I actually think it's one of, one of Flea's most creative bass lines ever. Um, so, she says, as the song finishes, four weeks later, loves everything about, loves everything in between start and finish, how those first impressions change. Mm. What a journey. What a journey the wife's been on with Warm Tape. That section was called Warm Tape, My Take. Uh, and what a take it was. And I, I think, firstly, it was a great choice of song. Uh, and secondly, I think it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of journey isn't dissimilar to, to the journey that many listeners have been on over the years with Warm Tape because mm. it's not a grabber, is no. it? No, if no. anything, it's a repeller. What are you gonna What are you gonna listen to? What What, what are you gonna listen to? Can't stop or Warm Tape? For many years, for me, it was Can't Stop, but mm. now Warm Tape. Warm Tape is I, I, both. Both. Yeah, both. It's a blanket. It's a warm blanket. It's a love song. Can't tape. Hmm. Warm stop. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sam, if I was to say to you um, that keep... Well, let's get back to warm... Uh, to, to can't tape. To can't tape. <laughs> that keyboard sound, as soon as I heard it, I remember back in the uh, no, 2000s. Sorry to interrupt, but let's not forget while well, this, this has become live. What has it become live? <laughs> oh, is it? What do you think of it live? Is it through television? Is John, it? It's, Can't it's, stop. Yeah, John Solo. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, the way he you know, slain when yeah. he nailed it at slain. Absolutely brilliant. The one time oh, solo. He shredded that solo. Wowzers! When he went absolutely crazy. I mean, it was for me. It was uh, one of the best performances of uh, the Zephyr song I've ever heard. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. No, please do carry on. I was being silly. Um, well, as soon as I heard this song, back in the early 2000s, I heard that keyboard sound, and I thought, I think, I think this song is named after that particular keyboard setting. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And I thought, this sounds to me like setting A5 on a Nord Lead 2 with the warm tape sound on 60s and 70s keyboards cards for the Roland synthesizer module. Yeah. That's what I thought straight away. But were you right? That's the question. Unknown. Unknown. I, I may, have just, unknown. may have just yeah. made those words up. Who knows? I mean, I've never warmed any tape. This is such a slow build, this song. The, Flea's bass line is a, a masterful bass line on this. He is, um, he's doing slides. He's sliding up to the one and the three. On the four count, one, two, three, four. He slides up, plays a note, slides up, plays notes. And the keyboard part is playing, is coming in at the end of those slides. It gives the whole thing, the whole intro, quite a seasick 
quite quite a, a, a mm. an off kilter feel, I think. I, I, yes, that's that's a very good description of it, actually, because and, and that it, it it contributes to the sort of misconception that this song is 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 messy, when actually it's anything but. But it, it, it is it is sort of disorientating at the start. But when the swan comes in with those, this we've spoken about liquid silk before, but this is another example of the swan delivering that smooth liquid silk. Oh, absolutely! He sounds wonderful, absolutely yeah, mesmeric. That's a good one. And and actually, it's that mesmeric quality of his delivery that really fits in with everything else that's going on. You're absolutely right. It's that kind of see, that sway feel to the whole. It's mesmeric. You're quite right. The swan comes in with that, and then Chad's work on the drums as well, with with the double hit on the on the toms. Mm. It's just different. It is yeah. different, and that's why it takes time to appreciate it. I think, but once I. I, I I just think the quality it brings is is ultimately undeniable, and the journey of this song and the transitions between each section are so joyous that ultimately you can't deny it. I agree. It's a huge, huge chorus, isn't it? Everything yeah. changes. A lot happens. You go from all of this kind of sway, this beautiful hypnotizing yeah. feel that the first part yeah. is, then all of a sudden you're on a straight beat. Yeah, Chad's the guitar on the right. comes in. Yeah. yeah, acoustic guitar. That's capoed yeah. as well to let um, John Carpo. play. Car- uh, Carpoed, yeah, capoed to let John play open chords. Yeah, yeah. The keyboard is replaced instead of the keyboard. You've got John playing those high swelly notes all over the place. Yeah, yeah. and then miles and miles of nether world I roam. Bam, ba, down, ba, down, bam, bam, bam. What more do you want in life than that? You've got that lovely lead part, which you've just played on your mouth instrument, where yeah. John slides up, and instead of just sliding up, he he hits that slide as it goes up. Yeah. Ah, man. Yeah, it's, it's so clean. It's so good. The, the, the vocal delivery hits those, those points so nicely. They're so in sync, aren't they? Down, down, down. Yeah, it's because he's it's really good at the guitar. It's it's um yeah it's great and it's such a switch but it's it, again it you go with it you believe in it it takes you with it then it goes back down again then you're there again well chorus two John straight in this time with the backing vox so it's just building you've had that huge chorus and as it goes down instead of going back down to its original level you just have something extra there to keep your your interest. Mm. Yeah, just a just a just a differentiator. Yeah, I say uh, I might be talking about the verses. What I meant was was the choruses there, and then you go into that fantastic interlude where it picks up the pace and and, and Swan with a let, uh, let's go. Does he say let's go there? Oh yeah, let's go. Yeah. I know I make it yeah. for two. Lovely bit, Swan. It's just such a, a yeah a wonderfully natural development in the mm. song though. Mm. It's totally different, and yet it. Fits perfectly, Seems completely it? correct. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Everything picks up. The drums pick up. John's strumming really, really quickly. Again, yeah. he's doing that 
classic John thing where he's moving his pinky around just to give that, just embellish those chords, make it more sonically interesting on the ear. Flea is pumping away on it. It's, it's fantastic, fantastic songwriting. Without skipping to the end, I, I, I love a song that finishes on a repetitive line. As do I. And this particular line was Settle for Love. 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 I'd just like to, whilst like to dwell on the end, just skip back to Flea's bass during that interlude, if I may. Just cycle Please. around. Yeah, you, you, quite, you, do your, you quietly burp. I'm getting I'm back in the trenches. Flea's bass line on that interlude is absolutely fantastic. He walks, up to, I'm gonna, he walks up and he walks down throughout and then holds the route. So for an example of listening to this, go from 246 for the walk up, 248 for the walk down, and he holds that route. And he repeats it four times. It's my favourite bass line on the whole album. And, wow. and at the end, he just walks that bass line down three times. I'm not going to do it with my mouth instrument. Go and listen to the right. album. Go and listen to the interlude on, uh, on Warm Tape. 246, the step up. 248, the, st- the, the walk down. Lovely, lovely stuff. And as you say, settle for love. What a fantastic sentiment. What a great, great song Warm Tape is. Yes, and uh, to be honest, I'd be, I'd be interested if anyone does want to contact us to to discuss their thoughts on Warm Tape because for me, I've always thought of it as being one of my favourite songs on the album and I just wonder whether there's uh, you know that much love out there for it. As much as we love it, do, does everyone else love it? Because it's not a song that you immediately associate with the Chili's, but it is, for me, a standout on this album. Well, the House, and- Ambas- the House Ambassador's already established this. If anybody, else to, if anybody wants to write in with Warm Tape, my take, mm-hmm. and let us know their take on Warm Tape, please do. Yeah, do it, because we will report on it at a later date. Coming out there of Venice Queen at maximum volume. This is one of the most beautiful songs that I have ever, ever, ever heard. Yeah, it's a good one. I think we, before we get into it and before we talk about the story behind the song, in fact, let's let's just address this quickly because... Nothing that we say about the story behind the song is going to be able to um, speak to it as eloquently as uh, the Swans lyrics do during this song. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk about the lyrics in a little while. Mm. Obviously, there was, the Gloria Scott was a hugely important part of uh, Anthony's life. Yes. And was sadly lost to cancer. And this as a tribute to a person that you had so that you loved and that you had so much so many feelings for this is this is like nothing else on earth to sum up how you feel about someone 
it's a song of stages, but by the time you get to the end of this song and you are literally spelling out that person's name and putting into mm. words how much you loved her, there's nothing like this song for me. I mean, I, I, I'm often quoted as saying Scar Tissue is my favourite song. I mean, I don't know who quotes me on that. Well, you. Yeah, well, me mainly. <laughs> but Venice Queen is, is, is my second favourite Chili song. No doubt. The thing that sets Venice Queen apart from Scar Tissue is, it, you know, it's, its underlying meaning. Scar Tissue yeah. is a great song. Yeah. Venice Queen is a great song with meaning. Yeah. I agree. And so, like you say, it, it's just a pleasure to let that song ride over you and it does ride over you from the from the very start you know that that introduction is just unbelievable and i tell you what people if you've got a decent set of headphones decent a a really good pair of headphones i couldn't you shouldn't refer to them as a set no but a decent pair of headphones get them on put this song on because there is some shit going on that you otherwise might not hear. And I'll tell you what, I was just listening to it then. There's some fucking noises going on that, that uh, I've never really appreciated before, and they do add to the song. I agreed. I picked up on some stuff that I'd never noticed before, just sitting down and preparing for the podcast and listening yeah. to it really, yeah. really, really closely. Before we get into talking about it. But well-placed noises. That, that... Well, well, we'll get into that. Okay. Because some of them I don't think are so well placed, but we will mm. get into it. Um, well, I do now, uh, as a man who's had, set, you know, several drinks. Mm. It all you sounded know. peachy to me, mate. It sounded peachy to me. I just think we'll get into it later on. First right. of all, let's talk about. I'm trying um, to get into it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to drag you out of it if I may. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about when you came back from travelling because there's a there's a, a little history to this. There is a historical significance to this song, yes. We um, and I honestly can't remember if we talked about this previously, but it was going to be it's a long time ago if we did. No, and it, it deserves mentioning now. Yeah, in its full entirety. You yes. were, you came back from travelling with uh, your then girlfriend. Yes. From Australia. Do you go to Australia, New Zealand, the Love Island? Uh, no, uh, we went, uh, myself, my, my wife Anna and our very, very dear friend uh, Claire went travelling together. We went um, America, Cook Islands, Fiji, Australia. Fraser uh, no, Island? No, no, yeah, we went to Fraser Island. I've got to start that again because I've got it wrong. Uh, America, Cook Islands. Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, Japan. That's a hell of a trip, mate. Yeah, it was a hell of a trip. I remember I had to finance some of Claire's. Uh, we should also say Claire, a.k.a. Clonks. Mm. I had to finance some of her trip by buying some of her stuffed Winnie the Pooh uh, stuffed toys. Yes. O- off her in an auction-based thing we had in the lounge. Yes, right. <laughs> I can't remember she raised too much money doing that. but It was pence. Yeah, it was it was a wonderful trip, and it was but it was a long time, and you know we were gone for a long time, and it was at a time when we were we we were spending a lot of time together. We were young, and you know it was emotionally charged being 
being away from family for that long. Yeah, and, and I remember as you left, I went to the airport, mate. Oh, and, yeah, um, you were but, um, but also, of course, um, Dave was going to come out and join you. Uh, Claire's now husband, Anna's brother. Dave, My brother-in-law, yes. I think we should now go through his. Dave, a.k.a. Dean, a.k.a. Duke, a.k.a. Dagger, a.k.a. Donkey Dick, yes. a.k.a. Anything, any other a.k.a.s, Dave? I think that just about covers it off. Yeah. Um, we went to Heathrow to see you off, and on the way back, me and Dave stopped off at Southampton at Leisure World. Well, of course, yes. And it was during that time that you and Dave really bonded. Ah, oh, mate. Yeah, because we didn't really know each other. Well, we did, of course, but not as close as we got to know. We went and watched Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, that shows you how long ago that was. Yes, it was 15 or 16 years ago. It was time. And uh, then me and Dave really did bond very, very close. We played a lot of snooker together. Yes. Uh, we've since played a little nine ball together. Yeah, yeah. Mate, what, just a shout out to, to Dave's story if he's listening to this. What a man. What a man. Oh, Love what him. a guy. Love him. Love him. Yes, he's an incredible, incredible man who taught me so much in my formative years. And by formative years, I mean my early 20s. Exactly. And you then came back, of course, from that, that trip. We had to return. Because am I right in thinking that you, Dave, Claire, and Anna came back at the same time, or did Dave come back earlier? Because he did spend Christmas with you, one year. Yeah, you? Dave came out for two weeks, uh, then Claire came back. And he bought a T-shirt. About- yeah, we have talked about this before. Okay, yeah. so you're back in the area. We've arranged a we- secret gig for you. A, a party, right. a welcome home party. We've done it at Hyde CRU Club, of all places. Yes. In their party room. You come back late, I think. Well, I got back in the afternoon and uh, there was no one home. Not a soul. I'd go a year away and I got home and there was no one there. Yeah. And then you came round the corner pretending that you had been at work. Right. Did and I? I be- obviously I believed you. And actually, you'd been down at the youth club, uh, down at the club setting up. Yeah, down at the CIU club, yeah. So that is what had happened. You came round in all your work gear. Oh, hi, how are you doing? It was all a bit weird for me because I thought there was going to be like a big, you know. Right, yes, this is coming back to me now. Yes, of course. So we'd been down at CIU setting up basically the amps and stuff. We had, we had, we had the full setup, actually, didn't we? Cause, um, oh, it was full on, yeah. It was full. Yeah, full. yeah it was all there waiting for you because we did have mm. the full lukewarm setup waiting for you, which will, will bleed into the story. Yeah, yeah, and, and then so so anyway, as as the night wore on, or uh, you said, why don't you go down and see Joe, our, our younger brother, who worked at the club, of course, and say hello. So that was the the pretense on which you got me down to the club. Uh, so as we, but you'd already gone, so it was all a bit weird. We should say the time it wasn't just you. No, no, it was me and Anna. Yeah, but also I'd, I'd, I was shuttling back and forth. It was about half a mile down to, from our house to the club and half a yeah, mile back Yeah, by up. the time I'd, I, went, I left to go down there, you, you were already there. Yes, but I spent ages running up and down because everybody that had come to see you be welcome back had to sit there for ages waiting for everything to get ready, mm. for you to be ready. Because Anna, uh, Anna came back a little bit later and then Claire came down a little bit later. It took fucking ages, mate. I ran, I ran about four miles just running up and down. Yeah, it's all a bit weird. Anyway, the the point of this story <laughs> is that by the time we got down there, 
when we arrived at the club, we could hear Venice Queen being played. I thought we'd gone just to go and have a drink with Joe, our younger brother, who worked at the club. We got down there, we heard Venice Queen. Then we were, I said, oh, well, that's, that sounds like Venice Queen. And then we were said, oh, why don't you go upstairs? So we went upstairs to the function room. Lo and behold, you, Jez, Steve... The lukewarms. The lukewarms were playing Venice Queen on loop. I stepped up, banged it out. Bosh, straight in. Hadn't, hadn't done anything for straight a year. Straight in, a year, a year on the road, yeah. and just got, went straight into it, yeah. And, um, we, other, to be honest, we'd never played before until then. No, we hadn't. We'd never, Venice Queen was never, never in yeah. the set list. Yeah. Uh, was it pre lukewarms? Yeah, it was pre lukewarms. It, it, was, it was just. It was you, just some, just some people playing Chili's music. Yeah, and you and you and and you said sing sing the song, and I stepped up and sang it. We'd yeah. never played it before. Well, I didn't cut the um, the arpeggioed loop. No, no. I probably just nodded to you. Yeah, said, exactly. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. That was it, and that but, was it. it. It was incredible. I mean, the thing the thing about that is that we'd been up since five o'clock in Tokyo, which is like nine hours ahead of the UK. So by the time we got to the UK, it was like six o'clock to play this, to, to arrive at this party. We'd already been up for over, over like 18 hours. Well, the, sh- the other shocking thing is when people, we had, a, we had little people speckled around outside to see when you were coming. So when we had to start playing Venice Queen yeah, and they saw you coming in, that person went upstairs and said, right, they're here. So we started getting it on. Every, all, the, all your friends were there waiting for you in the room to come in. Yeah. yeah. And you went downstairs and said to the main bar and, had a, uh, and bought some beers and had to wait to be served. So we looped round the Venice Green introduction for about 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> for all That's of right. these people who had no fucking idea what song no. we were doing. No. <laughs> and we're just playing the Venice Green beginning. But that, that, you fell foul of your own... Of your own tricks because we had literally had no we we i thought genuinely that we had gone down as say hello to joe who was working behind the main bar yeah that's so, why we went into, so the main you bar. went into the main bar but yeah. i also think you said i can hear venice queen on the jukebox somewhere i think you said oh yeah absolutely i said oh venice queen they're playing venice queen up there you know as every good chili's fan does when you hear venice yeah. queen you think, oh yeah, cool. Someone, someone up there at the party upstairs is listening to Venice Queen. Didn't realise it was my, it was our party. And then you party. came party. All right, cat. Right. <laughs> there was no tease involved. You came up the stairs, mate. I saw you walk through the door, and you just got it. You walked in. You had to turn right, sharp right, because the stage was yeah. The, yeah. where we were playing was behind the door slightly. And you came on. You got it, you grabbed the mic, we did it for you again for your 30th birthday where we secretly sucked you into yeah, 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 <laughs> to, yeah. to a Luke Wom's gig. Well, of course. Oh, no, and that was Venice Queen as well. That was the fucking no, sweet thing no, about that. No, that. that was Suck My Kiss. That was a Red Hot Mama introduction. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. But it was the same thing. We got to the pub. And, of course, we were more seasoned by then because we'd been playing together for a couple of years. So. But it was the same thing. It was great, you know. I think for for anyone who's ever played in a band and never been you know involved with other musicians, it's just fantastic when you walk into a room and and your band there is playing. And I say my band, but your bandmates. Yeah, well, it's twice yeah. in your life where you've walked into a room full of people, and your job is yeah. to complete in a state of complete un, un, unpreparedness, walk up to a mic and start 
performing. Yeah. And on the one at the Glen for the second time, you um you had to do a full set list. <laughs> you played yes. a full gig. Which was yes, uh, exactly. And that well that was just bloody wonderful. It really was, because that was actually the last time we played as the Luke Worms as well. Yeah, it was, yeah. But back to um back to that um that home that returning, that homecoming gig, we also played other Chilis of Shante songs. Uh, to my memory, we did um we did Carvel, definitely. Once you were in, uh, we, did, uh, we did, didn't do Carvel, mate. No way. Did. Yeah, we did, mate. No, mate. Yeah, we did, mate. Because at the end of it, I stood up and held my guitar above my head. We absolutely All did right, do maybe. Carvel. Well, we definitely, definitely played. Um, we did in relief. The world to death. Yeah, we did. World in to relief death was, was the yeah. last one. World to death was the last yeah. one. In relief, we definitely did. Uh, I think we did. A, did we do chili songs? My, my brain tells me we did Hump the Bump and Suck My Kiss. No, Suck My Kiss, definitely not Hump the Bump. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Anyway, yeah. that was also the night, of course, that um, outside Hyde CIU, I got down on one knee and proposed to my girlfriend. Yes, yeah, it was a big night in, in so many regards. Uh, of course, I played Blackbird. Because that was like, at that point, it was quite a special song for me and V. And I said, I'd like to announce to everyone that I've just proposed to Vanessa and she's accepted. Got a big cheer, of course. And I said, this mm-hmm. one's for Vanessa and played uh, Blackbird by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Mate, what a night. What a night that was. It was an unbelievable night. It was. Yeah, yeah. It was, as, 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 I'll tell you what, as good as, as travelling, you know, around for a year really was, we, and we had a, a, just a, an unbelievable time and a life-changing experience, it really was, and we, we still talk about it now, t- almost 20 years later, and we still talk about it with pure joy about what we did. I can honestly say that by the time we got home, we could not wait to get home. We couldn't wait to see everyone. People who who emigrate to other countries are just really, really brave people because there's no way that we could do it. We're so close to our family here in the UK. We're so it's just it's such an important part of our lives that by the time we we got home, we we literally couldn't wait. I, I'd say, and it wasn't even like just just coming home. We were ready to come home probably like a month to six weeks before we before we actually came home, so we were really looking forward to coming home, and and to come home to that kind of welcome just sort of really tied the whole experience together and and made it every, made it such a you know a memorable time. So yeah, it was can, great, uh, mate. I can remember rehearsing for that for that show. And I call it a show. It was just it was just your homecoming party. It was a show. It was a show. Man. We rehearsed in Hythe Church in St John's Church in Hythe the night before you came back, and like we knocked up the, the vicar and said, "Like, can we, we need someone to rehearse that's free? Can we do it in the church? Set up, played in relief in the church. Oh, great stuff. Great stuff, mate. Great memories. Lovely yeah. to be your brother. Fantastic. It was fantastic to see you come back. Amazing to do this crazy stuff with you and just be able to talk." Mate, we haven't talked yeah, about Venice I'm Green not sure Frages. whether this is necessarily <laughs> no, good podcasting. No, but it's certainly content.
let's go back in, like you said, that intro to Venice Queen. Mm. What I picked up on this listen, on, as you said, a decent quality pair of headphones, was that everything is open across your ears. That, yes. that, that yes. guitar, that guitar, that John's fantastic high arpeggio comes in. He's playing open strings, open high strings, yes. but also high yes. strings. You, you'll see it on Slang, live at Slang. But he's playing very high up, but the two of them are open. Yes. But you can hear the channels on, the, on your other two ears being wide open. One of them is going to be filled up with that kind of key, shadow slide with people, kind of keyboardy kind of stuff. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing that's going to come in is that fantastic kind of delayed guitar. Well, but the, as you say, the great thing about it is all of those noises float between the ears. Hmm. It's easy to think of that the first half of that song as actually being quite short, but once you factor in that intro and and immerse yourself in that as well, but by the time the swan comes in, there's a hell of a lot that's already happened. One of the most impressive things, and Jack Jack alludes to in his notes, so get ready to talk about uh, the drum notes, Yes, is the way that Flea and Chad come in very, very subtly. And yes. Flea is... Doing that pulsating bass line where it's just got that three note walk up. Diddle, little, 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 ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Chad's coming in. Diddle, diddle, diddle. And Chad plays that. And Chad played it live. He played it in one. Well, he's a good, he's a good drummer. Word on the street, aka Chad once tweeted it. Really? He played the fade in. No studio trickery, trickery involved. But the thing is, the thing is, and I know this being a metronome myself. Because you often say to me, you often say to me, you're never going to be able to do this. And then I do it and you go, wow, that's really impressive that you can do that. If, you, if you've got the natural skill, bang, you can do it. Mate, how many times in the past have I called you H-Met? Yeah, oh God, yeah, I've lost count. Yeah. I don't even know what it means. Oh, a human metronome. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, I just got it. But then you get the swan coming in and, uh, mate, we are going to say, ah, oh, mate, quite a lot of this conversation because this song is so fucking good. The swan coming in, he's uh, absolutely, it, he's spot on all the way through the song, but it, it comes, it's a song of stages. You have this introduction, you have the introduction, then you have that for, you know, the first half, if you like. Mm, then you yeah. have a, a mini second half, then a mini third half. And I know you can't have a third half, but it's, it's split up into three basic bits, this song. Take me through what you love about that first bit. Because to me, that, the, the lyrics are talking about what the song is going to be about, mm. but that's less about what it builds up to. What, what do you love about that first section of the song? <laughs> okay, so instrumentally, we've touched upon it, the first bit, you know, musically, yeah. sonically, it's, it's fantastic. It, and then when the swan comes in, you just get classic swan, Great, he's as you say, he sounds fantastic. It bit it, it fits so nicely with what we've already heard. It's it's catchy, I have to say, it's catchy. Well, it's brilliant, it's a brilliant guitar line, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that you know, pulls the whole you thing, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, not only have we got like the under the underlying meaning, but we've also got an extremely catchy sounding, you know, first half or or second half to the first half 
We're going to really get it, caught up in how many times we tried to describe the song in halves. Well, once it breaks down, though, of course, then you're going into some kind of major build-up, which is the emotionally charged section. But I think, to, you know, just to discuss the, fir- the first half, y- you are ultimately talking about a sonically pleasing and slightly mysterious beginning. Mm. Then something that's more recognisable as being Red Hot Chili Peppers because you've got the swan doing, so, you know, d- delivering his lines in a way which is not not that unusual, really. This is more classic swan than the rest of the song. It feels yes. like it's more punchy in the delivery. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and so it, that 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 is welcome to me. You love you a know, bit of Swan, I, don't you? I, I mean, come on. You know, that guy... You know, I don't shy away from the fact that I discovered the Red Hot Chili Peppers in 1996. You'd never have shied away from it. And Anthony Kiedis was, for, for many years, was my was my hero. He, he, he really was. He was someone that I idolised. And so to hear him, whenever I hear him doing, you know, performing well and, and sounding great, I, I take great pleasure in that. And this is this is the time that I can derive extreme pleasure because he sounds wonderful. Let me take you to a hero of mine, a Mr. John Frusciante, because mm. in this intro section, John is bringing up those volume swells against that wonderful, wonderful uh, arpeggiated riff. Arpeggio, yeah, those course, swells are from just help. fantastic. At 40 seconds, though, you've got the swells coming in. You've got a guitar bending as well. And then you've got a second guitar at 40 seconds just bending against it. And it's complementing the original swelling guitar because it's slightly out of time. It's not quite in unison. And this song, again, we talked about kind of feeling a little bit seasick on, uh, on mm. Warm Tech. On Warm Tech. And this also, during that intro... you you don't know where it's going and it's all slightly psychedelic with mm. John's swelling guitars. Listen, yeah. listen, please. If you love the guitar, here's a GTP for you. It's not so technical. It's a, it's a G L P a guitar listening point at 54. He just come just before the song starts singing at 59 seconds. John brings in a note at 56. He just adds, Sorry, at 51 he brings in a note. At 54 he just adds in a second note. At 56 he builds that chord bigger and higher and louder. And then the swan is in at 59. As the swan comes in, this is songwriting genius. Mm. Just that Mm. little guitar bit for like five, six, seven seconds. You can feel his fingers pressing the strings to the fretboard. Oh, wow. It, It is... It, it is that level of detail that elevates songs like this, it, and and we, this album is just. I mean, to be honest, it's not just this album. It's it's you can point you can point this towards a lot of Chile songs on all the albums, and th- and I think that it's an important point to to raise. They are extremely gifted and extremely talented musicians and extremely gifted and talented songwriters. I can tell you believe that. And their attention to detail is, is, is all important. 
I couldn't agree more. I could totally believe that with all your heart because you were tapping the table really loudly with your finger. Yes, it, this is my desk. That brought you this across. This is my desk. This is my desk. Exactly. Um, what's that? It's a song I wrote yeah. about my desk. <laughs> and I've never heard that kind of melody before, which is super. I know, I came up with it. Okay, back to verse one of Venice Queen, because now we're into the swan coming in with those powerful deliveries. Where you, uh, he powers in, he's spot on. The acoustic guitar, though, which I've never really noticed before, comes in at 131. And John's just playing those, um, the C-ish sections to the A-ish sections. You know, where you come from, where you going. There's an yeah. acoustic guitar that pops in that I've never heard before. Did you pick that up on your decent quality pair of headphones? <laughs> Mate, I picked up everything. Wow. I picked everything up. Wow. Lots of backing vocals from John across this section. Cute, those lines just coming in. You've got those, um, the guitar noise that sounds like a little piano, or it might be a piano that sounds like a big guitar. Um, yeah. Those notes, well, bing, yes. bing, bing, bing. Well, that's Flea, isn't it? On his, on his, that's giant Flea on his mini piano again. Or is it a small Flea on a big piano? On, or a small Flea on an even smaller piano. Or an even bigger Flea on a huge <laughs> piano. It's very difficult to tell. But there's a little piano sound there that's like the um, Mellowship Slinky piano sound. Yeah, that's right. No, that's right. I didn't just say that for nothing. No, no, I, I appreciated that you understood what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what I would like to say here is this is can we just take a moment to appreciate when the John and the Swan sing together? Yeah, I do. Oh, mate, tell me about it. Because this is beautiful. Because it, sometimes it's when John does his, you know, his falsetto and the Swan's just singing. But equally, when they just, when John's just, you know, not singing in his head voice. Mm. It's just incredible stuff. When They're just so good together. Quick question. When you say John's head voice, what do you mean? Well, I, I believe head voice is the same as falsetto. Oh, do you? Is that from is your, is it? I don't know. Is that from your singing lessons? Yeah, it's all confusing to me. Well, I call falsetto falsetto to, to avoid that kind of confusion. Yeah. Shall we refer to falsetto as falsetto <laughs> moving forward? <laughs> yeah. It would, it would really... It's all very confusing. Because of these singing lessons, you see, I'm learning stuff that I don't fully understand. Try and bleed it in, and then you question me, and I have to admit I don't know what I mean. <laughs> Is your singing teacher calling falsetto head voice? I think so. <laughs> right, we'll have to look that up afterwards. Okay, well, you have that lovely, that lovely section. That then... There's bound to be some singing specialists out there. Yeah. If you sing in a head voice, give us a shout. And now it's time for you to go.
Now, the second half, where it breaks out into, into big acoustic parts. Yeah, let's get there, shall we? Well, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. What you've got here is... It breaks out hugely, because you've got that, that big acoustic, you've got two acoustic guitars, you've got one on the left, one on the right, and they're doing the weaving again. They're doing the ancient art of weaving. One of them, it sounds like they're doing the same thing all the time, but every so often, if you listen carefully, they're doing something slightly different. Really noticeably at the very end, but it, there's two guitars out all the way through. Flea and Chad come in big. High arpeggiated again. It means playing on a harp, electric guitar. And then you've got that big slide note that comes in at the start of every, every kind of round that we go. So every five bars, you have a huge slide note. It's... Exciting. We all, exciting we all want to tell her, tell her that we love her. That's yeah, it. It just rocks, man. This, to me, is the, is the build before the main event. Because you have that wonderful whole intro section. You have this plateau section, I would call it. Mm. And then later on, we're really going to peak. This builds up <laughs> to a point... Of a wonderful, wonderful. Well, music. yes, you're, you're 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 right actually, because even though this seems like a really, you know, to me it rocks this section. It's going to get it's better. Not even, it's not even. Yeah, it's not even the. It's not even close. It's not even the peak. No. But you, when when they play it live and you you just get John going ding 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 and Chad comes in but but but. It's brilliant, isn't it? And then the swan, we are one. Yeah, that's, it's a, that's just... essentially what we've got on the album as well. Yeah, it is. But it's brilliant. And it's just, it, it's joyous. But it's going to get even better. The, lyric, like you the lyrics for this section are a bit on the nose. So they're not. The lyrics for this song, I think, are pretty much great. Mm. But this section mm. is a bit on the nose. They're, they're lovely lyrics. And they're full of meaning because he's writing for someone that he that he loved. Mm. But they are but. going to get a lot better. As, as, as I say, it plateaus here, and it's important that it plateaus to get to the Yeah, game. and actually, I, I think you're right. The, the Swan's delivery of these lines is could could be a little bit lost, actually, but, but John tends to bring it up. Yeah. John, John brings it through, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, Well, especially so. especially live, that we see at Slane mainly, on the... Um, and it's here, actually. We all want to kiss her, tell her that we miss her. Now, if I say that to you, you are thinking, we all want to kiss her, tell her that we... And John's about to go wild, big, on mm. that backing. It's here on the album, but it's buried, buried deep. Yeah, it's buried so deep. And that, that's actually really a, a really good point because you often think of that as being a, li- a, a, a live flourish, I, but it isn't. I hadn't noticed it no, previously. No. Uh, no, no, I know. Let's just go in. Shall we, shall we just go into where Venice Green really takes off? This is the swan at the height of his lyrical powers. These lyrics are heartbreakingly brilliant. Well... I don't just say lyrical powers. I, I think performance-wise as well. You know, let's let's remember this was early two thousands. Yeah, he was staggeringly good live at this time. Dressed well. Dressed well. Well, let's get on to the quality of his lyrical songwriting 
at the end of Venice Queen because this is absolutely beautiful. Okay, absolutely talk beautiful. to me. My favourite swan lyric ever is the last turnaround of, of this one. I find it very, very hard to listen to this song or to sing this song along without actually breaking down and crying. Mm. And I listened, while I was writing my notes for this song, and I was listening to it, I had a bit of a cry. I mean, and I'm a very, very masculine man, as you can tell. You're a very robust individual. I'm huge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm so macho. I mean, if it hits you that hard. Yeah. I mean, mate. I dread to think what it does to other people. What it do to a less macho man than me. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. As you can see, I'm wearing my black nail varnish. Yes. I've um, grown my beard out to... Um, to, to, com- to, to combat. Compensate. Yeah, to compensate. Compensate. <laughs> compensate for nail varnish. Yeah. But listen to this. And this could stand for anyone, because I know a lot of the, the lyrics on this section are kind of glory-specific. But this could stand for anyone. Mm. And this, to me, is as good a line as, um, just in case you never knew, I miss you, Slim, I love you too. I mm. see you standing by the sea. The waves you made will always be a kiss goodbye before you leave. That could be on anyone's headstone or anyone that you truly love to you believe made a difference in the world. The waves you made will always be. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. It's it's Anthony Kiedis at his most... I mean, we know... Uh, as fans of the Chili's, that he he is a lyrical genius and he does a lot of absolutely wonderful stuff. Equally, he does write some, you know, fairly throwaway stuff. Well, this is a guy who said, but "I want to I party." Think you can throw that, yeah, but I think you can level that at almost any lyricist. I think it more than most lyricists actually. You can throw this at this one. This was the guy who said, "I want to party on your pussy." Yes, this was. But he was. This is hey, the guy on, who, man. moving forward, we said would literally rhyme any word with any other word in a rhyming couplet. But no, but, but it, uh, yes, but and we've given him we've given him a hard time over the episodes. But equally, we do stand up for him, and I'm standing up for him right now to say he was a young man when he said "party in your pussy." He was twenty tw- in his early twenties. Agreed. Who didn't say that when they were in their early early twenties? I certainly said it. Yes, God, I said it. I didn't do it, but I said it. Well, how can you party on a pussy? Exactly. You can't. I couldn't, I couldn't work it out. No, I couldn't stand there. <laughs> <laughs> but I will give the swan this. At his best, at his best, and even at his half best, he's good. Yeah. At his best, oh, yeah. at his best he writes lyrics like this. When it's, dear to, when it's dear to his heart, mate, no one writes songs, no one writes better no. lines. Look at look at even something. I'll give you another example of a of a political song that he wrote called "Power of Equality," mm. which I always think is very very powerful and very meaningful. He he, when he's got a subject matter, I think he's 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 powerful, man. I I, you know, he's good. You're right. Yeah, he's he's certainly good. Not even being political. But, wait, no, wait, but wait, that's but, just but, a song. But. That's just an example of something which I always find powerful and, and meaningful. Probably because, unfortunately, the state of politics in the last thirty years hasn't moved well, on. Well, let's all. hope it goes on an upturn now. But what he did say in power of quality was, "What I see here is insanity." And we, I think, we ended the last episode. Like this. 
whatever happened to humanity. Just a great, great lyric. But what he's most powerful for me is when he believes in it and he believes in love. And mm. this is, mm. this is, this, this last section of Venice Queen is, is mind-blowingly good. I've just noticed we've been yeah. talking about Venice Queen for 40 minutes, so we sh- maybe should start wrapping <laughs> up. Okay, so let's move on to the socials. Oh, the socials, yeah. If you would like to uh, email me, send an email to the podcast, become an ambassador, Sam. What do you think about becoming an ambassador of this show? Becoming an ambassador of this show is one of the most worthy things you could ever do. All you've got to do is send us your email address. We will then send you a pin badge, no matter where you live. Well, you're, you're half right. If you email into uh, Ben Townsend Music at hotmail.com, I will already have your email address. <laughs> and so I will then send oh, you yeah. a, a pin badge, a compliment slip in a robust envelope. The website is all based at bentownsendmusic.net. Uh, on Twitter, I am at universally RHCP. Samuel, what are you on Twitter? I am at Stack Townsend. Should you want to contact me on Reddit, I'm Unispeak hyphen RHCP podcast. Sam, you are, do you remember what you are? Mm, no. You never do. Universally RHCP odd Sam. Yeah. Classic. The thing was, I came up with ah, it. We all, know, a, we all know what the thing was. We've I explained it, it many times before. thing. I came up with it in bed. Yeah, to combine the P. I didn't realise I was going to remember it, did I? (laughs) (laughs) To combine the last P of Peppers with the first P of Podcast. Yeah, Uh, what a great idea. Yeah, how often will I get ripped the shit off? (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to join us on Insta, we're flying. I've put up a couple of good ones, actually. Oh, mate, Insta's unbelievable. Seriously, if you want to do some good social networking, (laughs) don't, don't have a job. Uh, Insta, I'm universally speaking, RHCP underscore pod. We must thank you, everyone, for joining us for this, especially... We love this album. Let's sum up, by the way. By the way, the album. I did say I was going to ask you to score it at five. Just score okay. the... No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down. Okay. Score well, the can first... I just say, can I just say something? Yeah, if you must. By the way, it came out at the end of my first year at university. Stop banging the table. I was a young man full of dreams and aspirations. It was an incredible time in my life. Dreams anyway, and Anyway, it, it, it would have been an incredible time in my life anyway. But when you, when you sprinkle this album on top, it was just unbelievable. I can tell you, it was, it was a great time to be alive. So that's why I love this album more than probably any other Chili's album. Okay, I'm going to ask you to score the first five songs out of five, as we did episode-wise. That is, okay. by the way, universally, yeah. this is the place, dose and don't forget me. Score that first section out of five, and I will then do the same. Five. Five for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can see yes. where this is going. Okay. Okay, we then move on to the Zephyr song, Can't Stop, I Could Die For You, Midnight, Throw Your Television. Score that out of five. Four and a half. No halves. Five. I'll give it five. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I wanted to deduct half for throwaway television. You can't. Because so, you, uh, you think throwaway television is my thing. 
Well, no, I think minor thing is throw away television. Yeah, vice, vice versa or, or whatever. Okay, yeah. so what have we given it? Five? Yeah, five, yeah. Okay, so this is key now, the last six songs. Yeah. Because this could really fall apart. Yeah, this could swing it. This really mm. could swing it. It could. I'll wager it won't. <laughs> well, no. That's okay, not... but let's, let's do it. Uh, you, know, you know, equally. equally. Nah. Cabron. Yeah. Tear. Or yeah. Tear. Mm, tear. On Mercury. Minor Thing. Warm Tape. And then Venice Queen. What's your mm. score for those songs? Those six songs out of five. Five. I'm... <laughs> I'll, I'll score it myself. <laughs> I'm going to give that five. <laughs> so shocking, okay. eh? Okay, Shock- no, no, let's unveil our, our final scores then. Okay, well, we've both given it 15 out of five. <laughs> okay, well, okay. okay, well, what's your final score for, um, by the way, as an album? As an album, I've decided to award By The Way by the Red Hot Chili Peppers five out of five. And I have decided to award By The Way by the Red Hot Chili Peppers five golden stars out of five. Well done, By The Way. You were great. What a result. Standing in line to see the show Waiting for